Well, hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Trophy Talk. This is episode 85 of your favorite bi-weekly trophy hunting show. I'm your host, Colin Colhoven, joined only by one fellow adventurer on this quest. Slugger, how you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing great. What Two happened? show. I'm here. I'm ready to rock. Yeah, where is Daryl, dude? He left us. The son of a bitch. He abandoned us. He's in... Yakuza land still, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, he is he is in Tokyo slash or maybe not Tokyo specifically anymore, but he's been in Japan for the pa- past couple of weeks. So uh I th- believe he's flying home tonight or with the time difference tomorrow. He's fine. I'm not quite sure, but he basically was gonna be getting back so late and with so little time to prep, and I'm gonna be out of town this weekend that uh we're just doing a duo cast today. Just a duo cue. How do you feel about that? A uh, little nervous. Hopefully, no bathroom breaks hit. But I think we got it. We're gonna we're gonna rock it. I think the way we're gonna do this, the way we're gonna float this audience is that since there's just two of us, if one of us has got to do a little bio break, you might notice a slight uh, interruption there or something. But I'll try to get it out in the editing. You know what I mean? But it's just if it happens, it happens. Because normally the way it works is if one of us leaves to go pee, you guys don't even notice it, right? And the other two continue talking, and the person seamlessly comes back in. The genius, the genius editing, I'm sure. No one has any idea. <laughs> but then, yes, the person comes back. So with two of us, it's going to be a little, little different. But we'll do our best. And hopefully you guys still enjoy the show with the duo cast that we got going on. In some ways, this is kind of uh, back to the roots because the first two episodes of the show, maybe it was three actually, were just me and Eli. And you have replaced Eli in at the start of this year as a as a host on the show so we've we've kind of come full circle in in a lot of ways i feel i didn't i didn't actually realize it was just you and eli at the start because when i first started listening to you guys i'm pretty sure i started at episode one and i don't remember daryl ever not being a part of the show so now i feel like i need to go back through show history and like visit the archives re-listen to some of these old episodes it's sage advice for anybody really because we've been (laughs) going for like three years at this point so yeah yeah, I think it was, if I recall, the first three were just me and Eli, it looks like. So, pretty nuts, but they were way shorter. Like, the second episode was only 45 minutes. Crazy. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you guys kept me completely sane when I was grinding uh, for the crew to platinum. Oh, my gosh. Because that had a very, one of the trophies in that game was a really long grind, and it was a little bit of RNG. I was just getting so unlucky. So for like a week straight, all I did was a single race over and over. It was the fastest <laughs> race in the game, trying to get this one piece of gear. And I just like burned through, like flew through all your guys' episodes really fast. Oh, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we could help you it, keep though. your sanity. Yeah, I got to go back and listen to those. Yeah, I, mean, I should at some point too. It's, it's always funny to like listen to older content that you've done or whatever. And a lot of times I cringe at it, and like especially my older YouTube stuff, I've gone back and just kind of looked at a few minutes of those videos and I'm like, "Oh my gosh. How did anyone watch this?" <laughs> but uh, it's it's a good time. So, welcome everybody. This is this is episode 85 like we said at the top. We are going to be doing things a little bit differently with Daryl out. Namely, we're going to be skipping/omitting the guessing game this time as well as the lightning round. And I know that we didn't do a lightning round last time because we had been running long, so a couple episodes without that segment. I do apologize, but you know, I was making some errors in that anyway when creating the questions. The games weren't coming out when they were supposed to. Lists and data weren't ready when I was thinking that they would be. So maybe it's for the best that I paused for a little bit. I had to rethink how I approached some of those questions. So 
Thank you for bearing with us. We do have a little bit different of a topic to start the show, though, because we are skipping those other two sections. I thought we could just sort of check in on a little mini topic before we get on with the normal run of the show. And recently, I've been playing a lot of The Division 1 with JB a little bit as well and cleaning up. We're going to play some more together, of course, and with Daryl. But, you know, mm-hmm. been, been playing through it, and I was like, all right, I'm kind of curious. I'm going to go check out the original IGN review for this game. What do you think that it got from IGN when it came out? Hmm. Nintendo inflate stuff. I, uh, maybe like a seven or an eight. Okay, yeah. You'd be right to assume that. They, but they actually gave it a six, which... Oh, okay. So they were kind of hard on it when it first came out. And I just was, yeah. it kind of got me thinking, like, had I looked at that review before, you know, I really went and got the game, I probably, or like, I probably wouldn't have gotten the game, rather. And since I didn't and looked after the fact, it's like, it's kind of interesting to compare. So I sort of just wanted to maybe touch on how you look at, like, reviews or when you look at reviews and, and sort of what's your, like, process for digesting that stuff and then sort of ask, like, how does that influence your purchasing habits or does it not anymore? Um, you know, that kind of a thing. Because I feel like I used to be way more about them and especially when you're doing, like, backlog cleanup, it's like I'm not even really watching a lot of the reviews that come out for newer games. So what what do you think? What How does this work for you? I, hmm, I like to think... Well, I was going to say I like to think the reviews don't influence my purchasing habits, but they do. It more so on the games where I'm kind of like on the fence, like games I'm kind of interested in, but maybe not totally sold. I want to see what reviewers are saying, whether that's coming from a professional source like IGN or I don't know, any one of the other major review sites mm-hmm. um, and users. I like to look at both. The user score is actually kind of hard right now because there's, it's kind of been a hot topic about how games will just get user bombed or uh, negative review bombed. And it's like, well, can we even like trust what review like user reviews are saying anymore? So, yeah, I so let me think about this a little bit sure, when it sure. comes to the u- when it comes to the user side. I've actually started using Steam reviews a lot more if games are like cl- cross platform and there's a game on PlayStation 5 I'm interested in, and it also has a PC version. I really like how Steam does the reviews, because you can go on there. They, I don't know exactly what their like requirements are to leave a review, but you can see how much time someone's played. So you may go in there and see, like, oh, this dude's played for 20 minutes, and he's giving it a 1 out of 10, and he's mm. just talking crap about the game. And it's like, I don't know if I'm going to trust that guy, but maybe I'll trust the guy who's played for 900 hours on this game. Sure. So I really like that aspect, because you can actually tell, like, all right, did this guy actually play the game or is he just like trying to bomb this score? That is really cool. I yeah. I kind of wish like larger gaming outlets would say like whoever reviewed the game, like here's a link to their PlayStation profile or whatever, like go check their trophy data or, and you know, see, see that they right. actually put some good time into it or something. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that would, that would be nice. Although they'd also um, probably get a ton of messages and harassment and stuff. There, I'm sure there's reasons why they don't do that, but you're right. It's kind of missing that credibility yeah i had to look it up though i was trying to think of the game there was a game you probably remember dungeons and dragons dark alliance (laughs) where (laughs) all the trailers for that game i was like hyped i really they kind of had like jokey trailers and the gameplay looked fun and i'm like oh yeah like i totally want to check this game out if it scores well i'll dive into it and then all the reviews came out and it was just getting like pooped on ign gave it a four out of ten it's averaging a six out of ten on steam 
uh, three out of five on GOG.com. Now, I wouldn't consider a six out of 10 or a three out of five that bad, but the four Same. out of 10 from IGN and actually actually reading the review and taking in the content of the reviewer and what they actually said, I was like, nope, I'm going to pass on this game. Like, And I was pretty glad I didn't like jump the gun and pre-order it and dive into it just off the marketing loan. I think you almost have to do the research these days as we're seeing like more and more games are launching, like just completely busted that I don't know. It behooves you as a customer to actually do your research before you go and drop 60, $70 on a game when a lot of games are yeah. Launching in a broken state. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's sort of this newer, I wouldn't say new, I suppose maybe like the last five years or so when I would talk to my friends who like more casually play games, even they would just be like, well, I'm not going to, look at a review score and read that article or whatever. I'll watch someone play it on Twitch though. And I understand the thinking behind that in a lot of ways, but I'm also really hesitant to see story moments or things that could be like a surprise, you know, and have my opinion impacted by like how the person streaming at the time is acting and what they're saying. And, you know, so it's just kind of like, it's sort of a hard middle ground. I do tend to gravitate towards reading just like the long form articles that get posted rather than even doing the videos because one thing is like the 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 videos typically have a different narrator and different voiceover than the person who even wrote the review so it's like I don't really like I don't, I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to yeah. I'll read it and like you said it adds a lot more context than just there's always that one comment at the top of the YouTube video that's like it's a 7 guys, move on with your day. It's like okay, but yep. like I want to know <laughs> I want to know why it's a 7 because that the you know the context there is really important. So yeah, and, and now I think the the other one that had come to mind is Gotham Knights very recently where that didn't review very well, but we know like it's, you know, selling pretty well and it's also like it's it's, you know, I've seen it pop up on Reddit and PSNP is like, you know, a game that's not too bad to trophy hunt in necessarily and you know, we had some community members Skrillis played it like I don't know. So I think that's just another one where if you if you looked at the reviews, you could have been maybe misled but at the same time then like redfall right <laughs> where it's like you're yeah. probably glad that you read the reviews so i don't know i i always find it fun to look afterwards after i've beaten a game or after i platinum a game then look at what all the different sites said about it and i also find it really fun i don't know if you ever do this to look at like old reviews from n64 or like gamecube era from these websites because you can still find those articles up obviously and it's kind of fun to like look at how they changed their criteria and just how different the writing was back then. Yeah. I I haven't ever done that, but I feel like I should now. Oh yeah. Definitely recommend. Like I was reading the like Ocarina of Time original review, <laughs> you know, like stuff like that. Yeah, pretty pretty wild. So I think what sells me on games too, probably more so than reviews, is just like the word of mouth will really get me. Like if we have someone in the Discord that I trust and I know that like we kind of have the same style of games and like the same things. And they go and say like, dude, this game's awesome. Like, don't even think about it. Just buy it. Like I'm a sucker and I'll just go and buy it. Mm -hmm. I feel that. And and there's an element too. like different companies take different stances, obviously. Like some of them do a 10 point scale. Some have stars. Some do a five point scale. Some companies like don't even really give review scores. There's, I think there's kind of merit all around, but like what you had talked about, I think is the most important, which is no, you you know what kind of games you like typically and you know what kind of stuff that you are into. So based on what you can see and what you can research about a game, if it seems like it's for you, 
I think you have to take into effect that like even if it gets us let's say a six out of ten but it's a genre and an IP or something that you're really into, you will probably have a like eight out of 10 experience. If that even makes any sense, like it will, it will kind of yeah. get boosted for you. So you can't let it factor in too, too heavily either without that context. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Um, yeah. Division six out of 10. Like what the fuck? <laughs> it does seem a little low. I wonder if that, I wonder how, like, was it busted at launch? Did you read it? I did read it, and essentially the critique was that the game is pretty monotonous and pretty, like, it has an illusion of random activity until you kind of realize that there's just, like, a couple different groups of stuff that just spawns over and over again, and I think the only, the reason it didn't even score lower than it did was because of the Dark Zone components and, like, the PvP VE I think if it was just like the main story and single player, they would they probably would have given it like a four and a half or something, dude. They were pretty negative on it, which was interesting. I don't remember if it was super broken at launch, but it didn't mention that in the guide. So yeah, I don't think it was. Hmm. But who knows? I'm enjoying the game, so who who gives a fuck? At the yeah, end of the day, I think it's good. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. Well, thanks for that little jaunt there down the review discussion. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that, and we can get into sort of a more traditional run of the show now. So like we said, we're going to skip the guessing game, since Daryl is not here. It's not fair for just Slugger to be able to earn points, especially when you guys are tied right now in that game. So we really got to <laughs> wait for the head-to-head bout. <laughs> but, you know, maybe we should play. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick a really easy trophy list, too, and uh, <laughs> guarantee the points. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll get back to that in episode 86 with what we have been playing as well. So let's get into our platinum shoutouts. I'm pulling these from our discord, which we just had quite a few more people hop into. So if you're listening to this because of a discord post later and you actually have never listened to the show before, welcome. Uh, what we do typically is we go through our discords, couple channels of plat shot and trophy room and pull achievements slash trophies earned for that time, last couple week time period, basically to give him a special shout out. So first of all, we got the slide G Cooper coming in with his platinum of guardians of the galaxy, sitting at a 32.88% on PSMP for the PS five. Supposed to be a great game. I've never played it, but my friend Joe from college and from high school actually just texted me today. And was like, I just started playing this game guardians of the galaxy. It's really good. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, cool. And the, yeah. and the movie's out. It's just kind of a good time to, for people to maybe revisit it. So have you seen the movie? Not yet. Um, I have family visiting next week. So I already told my wife, I was like, look, when my sister gets here, she's taking the kids for a night. We're going to go see guardians. Fantastic. So next week I should, should have seen it. We can talk spoilers and stuff. Cool. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. I think you'll have a good time. Next up, we've got Zachary coming in with Dredge, which is sitting at a 40.46% on PSN profiles for PS5. If you recall a couple episodes back, Daryl did the trophy list review for this game before it came out, and Zachary sounds like he had a really great time with it. Certainly on my radar for something to keep an eye out for on a sale. This game looks pretty cool. So congrats on that. Next up, we have Lorenzo Lame with Don't Starve Giant Edition. Now, this one tripped me up for a second because I didn't actually enlarge his picture of the the Platinum, so I assumed he was playing on the PS4 version. And then I looked again, and and I had the wrong stat, so I had to update it. So this is sitting at a 1.2% on PSN profiles for the PS3 edition. 
I've never played Don't Starve. My best friend Chaz swears by this game, absolutely loves it, and he played it a ton with his wife, he said as well, and he said that was really fun. So congrats, Lorenzo, for getting that one. There's no platinum in that, but it's the full 100%. So Nice. Uh, and only 10 trophies in that game, actually. It's a hard one, from what I've read. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. I don't, the game just seems tough anyway, and then adding in trophy requirements. Oof. Yeah. Okay, and then next up we have Sushi, who's coming in with his platinum on Toem, which is now up to a 67.10% on PSMP for the PS5. Great game. We've sung its praises for a long time on the show. A lot of people in the community have played it. It's a wonderful little short experience, and that percentage keeps going up, which I'm happy to see. So congrats on that. And last but not least, we have Mr. Collector coming in with Fall Guys, which sits at a 0.4% on the app for PS4. So this one, you know, a little bit of a funky game here. It's got some history on the show, some good multiplayer times, lots of boosting <laughs> to get the the trophy uh, infallible, of course. There's a couple episodes even specifically about this game that if you're newer to the show, I would recommend going and listening to. But yeah, good job on that, Mr. Collector. You're going to miss it. That's all I'll say. Once I stopped playing it, I was like, man, nothing's really scratched that multiplayer itch in that same way in a long time. It's it a very fun Mario Party style game. So good stuff. I do want to shout out uh, the Fall Guys thing. I believe Mr. Collector was the one who brought it to the Discord's attention that it's uh, so the big hang up was the infallible win five games in a row. Well, they added like custom games and people can. Like you can go in, they have a map creator now, so you can go and create your own level. And I guess you can, I don't, it might have been patched. Don't take my word as gospel, but uh, I believe Mr. Collector was saying you can go in and use the custom game mode and like build your own map and pretty much win the five in a row through that. And it pretty much trivi- trivializes uh, Infallible. So get on it if you're going for, for Fall Guys before they patch that. Oh, man. I wonder if you can do the same for like the coming in first place and all of the other trophies in that game sure. too. Because yeah, that'd be interesting because Infallible certainly is the platinum deal breaker when when it, when you have to do it legit, no doubt. But there's also a lot of people that rightly so I think struggle with even just coming in first place enough times oh, doing yeah. doing some that of those took other me ones. Yeah, so definitely a not an easy list. But if you could do the custom games like you're saying, that would be very cool. Yep. Good shout out. All right. Well, that's it for our platinum shout outs. And I wanted to take this next little time here to give a special thank you and shout out to our Patreon supporters. So if you like what we do and you enjoy the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash trophy talk podcast, where we have various tiers of support ranging all the way from the bronze tier up to the platinum tier that nets you different benefits, the ability to write questions into the show, etc., etc. And so I wanted to take this time to say a very special thank you to all of our supporters over there. So that's a big thank you to Buff Cupcake, First Mage, Zachary, Toaster Bunny, Diego Juan, B Down, King K6969, Pat the Trophy Hunter, Skrillis, The Slide G Cooper, and Maximum Carnage. So thank you all very much for your support of the show. It truly means a lot. And and actually, real quick, we also have a goal over there on Patreon right now where if we hit a certain number of active patrons, we are going to be doing extra bonus episodes once a month for patrons only. So if you're interested, go over and check that out. All right, Patreon submitted questions. We've got quite a few good ones for this show. 
some really interesting topics. You guys have been really uh, coming up with some bangers, I feel like, the last few episodes. You got your thinking caps on, and I appreciate it. So let's go first to King K 6969 and he says, Okay, guys, I've been moving this week and haven't turned my PlayStation on in six days. Sad face. Anyway, what advice do you give to a first-time homeowner? First of all, congratulations on the house. That's a big move. Very well done. I don't own a home, so that's pretty darn cool, I, in my opinion, I must say. And second, yeah, not turning the PlayStation on in six days, it's rough. That's what happens during those really hectic moments of life. We've all been there, I think, where you're, you know, you're on vacation or you're you know, doing a bunch of stuff like you're really busy in your personal life or you're moving and it's like you don't get to game very much for a week or two. So, you know, you're, it sounds like you're uh, almost on the other side of it. So you're going to get there soon. But advice for a first-time homeowner, like I said, I don't own a home, so this one is a bit tough, but what I would say in general about being a first-time homeowner with zero experience is that I would assume there's a big amount of pride that goes along with that, where for the first time, you're not really just paying to inhabit a space that ultimately you're not responsible for upkeeping and for keeping you know pristine of course you want to keep a clean apartment or whatever when you're renting so you don't get charged extra for like cleanup fees and stuff like that but at the same time like you really have a chance to improve your home and keep it and make sure everything stays nice and it stays clean and I don't know I, I feel like the advice I would give is to try to really cherish what you own there and maybe try to make sure that you treat it with care so that it lasts as long as possible and ultimately your house stays in the best condition that it can be Maybe, if that makes sense. But again, I don't have a ton of experience. And then other than that, do whatever you know adjustments you would want to your home. You want a pool? Put it in the pool, right? You want to add shelving in certain rooms? Do it, you know, because it's yours now. You don't have to worry about asking permission to make any sort of modifications. So just fucking go after it and make yourself the ultimate gamer den slash game room that you would want. But yeah, that, that that's sort of my general advice. What about you, Slugger? What do you think for this? <laughs> It, I should have more advice because I've owned two homes. I lived in Texas for eight years. Uh, I bought and owned a house there, sold it, made some money back, moved to Arkansas, and now I currently own the home I live in. Well, the bank owns it, and I pay the bank. But <laughs> I'm a home. I'm a homeowner. I'm not renting. Um, so I should have more advice. <sighs> hmm. It. I do like your suggestion of like. Uh, like cherish it and like it's your baby now you can't just call the like your landlord every time something goes wrong right and like when things break i've learned this with both of my houses like something small will break and i'll be like oh i'll get to that this weekend like i'll go to home depot and get the stuff to fix that and then you get to the weekend it's like i'm too tired i'll push it to next weekend let next thing you know you're like two years away from that point in time and that thing's still not fixed and you have 30 other little things around the house that are broken and need fixed and you just have a huge list. So yeah, I would say fix that stuff as you go, especially the little things. Sound advice. I guess, yeah. My next best recommendation, I guess would be, so I personally never kept, well, I have homeowner's insurance. I forget what it's called. There's another insurance you can get for the house. It's normally included when you buy a mortgage. You normally get a year of it. Okay. Or when you purchase a home. And it, that's for like the big appliances. So dishwasher breaks, fridge breaks. They let you renew that stuff. I personally never renewed it because my thought was like, why am I going to pay you guys like a thousand or two thousand dollars a year? And I may go like two or three years without any of these things breaking. I'm just going to keep 
my savings stocked up. That's me personally. I know other people who like renew that every year and they keep that plan rolling. Um, so my personal advice where I was going with this is make sure you have a nice, like good chunk of change in your savings for emergencies. Good call. Like this house. I, yeah, this house I'm in now here in Arkansas, I've had the air go out or our HVAC unit break three times in the five years we've lived here. And each time, like, it started small where it's like, oh, here's this like $200 fix. And then the second time it broke on 4th of July weekend, it was like 100 degrees out. And it's like the house was getting up there in the 90s. And it's like, we can't do this. Like we have a six month old at home and we're just going to have to call him out on the holiday and take the hit for like the extra holiday charges. And what should have been a little like $100 fix turned into like a five or a $600 fix again. And then the third time it went out, we had to have the entire unit replaced, which was a couple grand. Mm-hmm. These, these things, when they break, I've had fridges break and dishwasher. I've had all sorts of appliances and just random things breaking the house, and it's always a hard hit. So I would say keep a good chunk of change in your savings. Maybe like, I would almost say like $5,000 minimum, if able. Yeah. Um, preferably more, because the last thing you want is to have like your HVAC or your heater if you're in a colder state something like that to go out and then you don't have the means to fix it. And then you're just sitting in a, I don't know, a busted home. Yeah, totally. So, I and mean, that's what I mean with like, you like, or like I was saying earlier too, about treating it right is, you know, like, because you want to avoid all that extra cost if possible, you're ultimately liable. And it also, I think is one of those things where get the, get the nice fridge, you know, get the, get, get the nice TV. There, there's certain things that when you're buying in life, I don't think that you should skimp on. And the older I've gotten, I feel like the less the list is of things that you can actually skimp on, and it's fine. Like, most of the time now, I'd rather get the known entity and good product. Yeah. Even when it comes to food, because it's ultimately, you should think of it even as more important with food, because it's what you're putting in your body. It's ultimately determining how you feel, how you act, your brain chemistry, all this shit. And so it's, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. So buy the nice fridge, and then treat it well, and then save the money, like you're saying. And you probably already have them, but surge protectors. Get those. <laughs> oh, fuck. I actually I only have one. It is luckily on the outlet where my computer and PS5 and Xbox are in. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. have a ton of them. God. I've told my story on here before, I believe, about my house getting struck by lightning. And uh, I lost on three of my surge protectors. The surge protector was able to save everything but one plug in each surge protector. Wow. Um, and of course... The PS5 took a hit on that surge protector, but luckily I didn't lose the TV. So yeah, definitely recommend surge protectors, uh, especially if you're in an area that's prone to thunderstorms or power going out randomly. Yeah. Get a bunch of those guys. That's a great call. I mean, yeah, and I live in fire-prone area, and when, when there's those dangerous like potential days, they just preemptively turn off the power everywhere anyway, so you never yeah. know. Good call. But yeah, King K, congratulations again on the home, and hopefully that advice was something to keep you sane and occupied. Occupy your thoughts. I don't know. (laughs) Again, I haven't owned a home, but we'll we'll see. I could end up buying one and then throw my own advice out the window. Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) But thank you for the question, sir. Okay, next up, we've got a question from the Sly G. Cooper, and he wants to know, what are your top three gaming controllers and why a pretty interesting question here i 
So I didn't necessarily rank mine. So I listed mine out, and I've seen you know you've done the same. Obviously, I, I'm the order I'm going to read them in is not necessarily the order that I would rank them, but they're all in there in some capacity. So first up, we've got the Nintendo GameCube controller. Now a lot of it could be nostalgia. A lot of it could be that it was you know the first like new system that I remember having like a real christmas day morning with you know i got my sega saturn when i was like five which was fantastic but i actually remember getting the gamecube more because i was you know like 10 or whatever at the time kind of a more formative age and yeah i just thought the controller was great you had the two thumbsticks which obviously you didn't use the c-stick the yellow one as often in games and they were still trying to figure out how you know how best to utilize that for things when you're playing but it in a sense had the potential to be a twin stick sort of operated controller I remember playing things like Time Splitters 2 on there, uh, which was an FPS, and of course Super Smash Bros. You use the the C stick to do ultimate moves quicker and stuff like that, and it just had a really nice responsive feel to it. The A button was really big on that controller too, so I liked that. You know, as as a kid, right, kind of getting more and more familiar with these complex controllers, like the ability to fuck up and press the wrong button, you know, not as not as prevalent there because the A button is like. 60% of the like surface area of <laughs> the front of that controller. And then you had the really nice triggers on there too. They had a really satisfying click. I can kind of hear it in my head right now. And if you've played the GameCube, I'm sure you can as well. But those were awesome. And again, especially for playing like time splitters on there in FPS game, it was like, wow, this, these are really solid. So Nintendo GameCube's got to be up there. It's still used by people to this day, right? They still sell the adaptive like units that can be used with the newer nintendo console so that controller is is just great and uh yeah. next up i've got the xbox 360 which you actually also have do you want to kind of speak to you want to maybe like go back and forth i guess or because if we're overlapping on this one we might as well uh i'll let you talk okay i'll let you talk to it you're more of an xbox X dude well yeah. i don't know i got tons of time on the 360 but i'll let you talk to it and then i'll chime in if i have anything extra Gotcha. Okay, so yeah, I, all, the Xbox 360 controller, right? I mean, this one is is just a classic as well. The con I think really the the console was a lot of people's first console that they had like an obsession with because it kind of hit at the right year for us where we were in high school or shortly out of high school or shortly before it. You know, you've got some expendable income, you've got friends coming over, you're doing couch co-op. And so the console just kind of hit at the right time with all the right sort of games, Gears of War, Halo, Fable, you know, Dante's Inferno, Dante's Inferno, Bioshock 1, just had a great library. And so I have really fond memories of just playing this. And throughout the whole experience, I don't really ever remember having issues with the controller. And it might seem like a weird reason to put it on the list, but I don't remember there being a whole lot of like stick drift. I don't remember there being times when it would just like randomly, you know, just die out on me or have problems. Now, I know some people did, but for whatever reason, my controller, my base controller with my 360, I had for quite a long time and still used it as sort of like my player two, player three controller, even after I ended up getting, uh, you know, newer ones down the line. But the other thing that I wanted to mention, too, is that the batteries for these things, it's a different time, man, having to go back and play with batteries in your controller and owning the Series S it's the same thing on that, right? And it's just, and when I got that console last year in like November and like set it up and was playing, and the first time I had to change the controller batteries, it did take a while for them to drain. Like they did drain way slower, but I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot 
this dilemma. You know, it made me think of all these times running around the house trying to find a like one new battery even because I had a buddy over and his controller died or mine was dying or something, you know, j- just insane. Um, and I, because of that, ended up buying a lot of the corded Xbox 360 controllers. And it was amazing how much lighter that controller was and how much I preferred it when I got into competitive Halo on the console. So yeah, just a really all around mm. solid controller with good D pad, you know, good, good size face buttons, res- you know, responsive L1, R1 slash LBRB, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, that's, that's why I got it on there. W- what were you going to say about this guy, the 360 controller? Uh, <clears throat> I think you kind of hit it all. For me, it was like the size mm. going from, so I went from, I guess, talking grown up consoles, Xbox to the 360 to the PS2, PS3, PS4, so on and so forth. It was like Xbox One, Xbox 360, and then PlayStation the rest of the way. Right. But uh, the 360 are going from the Duke, the huge ass like Xbox controller to the 360 controller was like heaven. Because I know the Duke, a lot of people have like nostalgia for that. I mean, it has a its own friggin' name, like, like the Duke. That's cool. Um, but man, that thing was massive. And I played that probably middle school, early high school, playing on that controller with these tiny hands. My hands don't fit around the controller, and I'm, like, struggling on Halo 1. And then I get the 360, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, the most amazing controller ever. Like, it's the perfect size, yeah, perfect weight. I found it interesting you brought up the stick drift because I didn't think about that when I was doing my answers. Mm. Uh, I've lost so many dual shocks, and I've already lost two, two of my dual senses to stick drift no way um, really yeah and now i lost one have... so i guess i shouldn't be too surprised i still have I... it but it's it's not great i do have two little kids at home and i don't mm, i'm being i'm taking better can be, better care of my uh two current controllers at work i've kind of noticed with one of my newer controllers my son dropped it and then it kind of hit the ground kind of hard and then I started having issues. So I'm like, all right, is this a me problem where they're damaging the controller because they're finding it after I have a gaming session and they're like roughhousing with it? That could be the case. I don't know if it's like a common problem, but I think just stick drift in general. I don't remember that ever being a thing until like these modern consoles. Till the so, stinky switch. Yeah. <laughs> God, yeah, I guess the switch. I mean, I, I got it a couple times on the PS4. Like I had controllers on the PS4 die, but. I didn't really know what stick drift was until it went super viral with the joy cons. Yeah, totally. It did happen on the 360. I remember it happening to a few of my friends. I, again, I think I just got real lucky for some reason with it. And and sort of the same thing with like the red ring where I did eventually get the red ring of death on that thing, but it was way longer into my consoles lifespan than most of my like friends who had encountered that. I had this, my friend Chaz, I referenced earlier in the show, legitimately had to get three xbox 360s like he sent it in three times rather over the course of probably half like half of a a year maybe even slightly less than that like it was like once a month we would go over there he's like yeah i gotta get a new one like it red rings i was like holy shit (laughs) and so i was i would play gears of war one over there and we would always get through chapter one you know there's like the sub chapters so we'd get through like one chapter which was i don't know like three or four hours of play and then it would like the next time I was over there, it was broken and we'd have to like start over again. So I, I legit played like the first chapter of Gears like three or four times before I eventually got my own copy and was able to complete the game. So 
pretty fun stuff. Yeah. But yeah, Xbox right, 360, cool. good one, good one. And I think we both have the f- the same final one as well, which is the PS5 yeah. controller, the DualSense. What do you have to say about this one? I so I had the DualShock on there. I removed it. I actually I'm going to add a a different answer, which is kind of a funny one, but kind of a real one. Uh, so I'll talk the DualSense. I thought the DualShock was like the perfect controller for me, and then the DualSense came out, and it seems like the perfect blend of like the heavier xbox controllers um with the same feel like so the weight of the xbox controllers and then you add on all the bells and whistles of the new ps5 features the haptics the adaptive triggers uh i don't know like i love the dual shock mm-hmm. but getting that little bit of extra weight and i don't know the dual sense just seems to fit better for me it works better i like the feel of it just overall more than the DualShock. I don't really know what more to say to it other than, yeah, I like the weight and I like all the extra features. So I, f- I feel you on that. The weight is really nice. Like it feels like a premium product, you know, and these things are expensive, but it feels well-made, you know, <laughs> it's even if it maybe <laughs> would take one drop or something for it to be totally fucked, who knows? But I do like that. I like the color customization, which there's not as many as some of the other companies have with their controllers. It's certainly nowhere near the level of Xbox controller customization, but I like them. I have the 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 first one that came with the PS5, the white one, is the one that I have a stick drift on with the right thumbstick. And it's just really slight, so I'm actually able to still play most games with it, but like it's when I get into the menus, it starts tweaking out and going crazy. And so that makes it tough to play certain things. And so I have that one, and then I've got the light blue, I think it's the ice-colored one, and then, like, the purple Nova-colored one. And I, I love both of those so much, and it's pretty cool. Like, I'll I'll sort of, like, pick one of these to be the controller of choice for a particular game, and in my mind it makes sense. I'll be like, oh, God of War is definitely the purple. i got to play that with the purple controller. And I'll just play the whole game, <laughs> I'll use that controller for it. It's like, yeah, <laughs> something like that. And I'll I'll also try to be cognizant of if I'm playing a game like a souls game where the sprint button is on circle for example or call of duty where i'm constantly clicking in the sticks a lot i will on purpose switch the the controller i play that on like pretty regularly because i do think that that repetitive repetitive use and the way that you press buttons on the controllers obviously is what would cause them to slowly get stick drift and wear down over time so i try to like spread that out if it's a game that's really intense on clicking in the sticks and that kind of stuff so it's good to have multiple for that reason. And then, yeah, the haptics are great. I mean, Astro's Playroom, like Ratchet and Clank, there's, you know, I, I know Eternal is supposed to be pretty good for that as well. But a lot of the games that I've played on it, it's something where we joked about in the older episodes of the show that I would immediately turn off vibration, motion blur, a couple other settings whenever I start games. And I still do most of that. You know, that's definitely true. But I'm more receptive now to leaving vibration on in some of the games it's like if it's a ps5 title and it's going to take advantage of it i will tend to leave it on and just try it out and that's the default and if it starts to bother me still i will eventually turn it off but i'll at least give it a go because it, it it really does enhance the experience i think a decent amount so yeah ps5 controller fantastic yep all right what's your your final one <laughs> uh so i was gonna joke and say the ddr dance pad that i had on playstation 2 
but that actually <laughs> that got me thinking dope. i'm gonna change my answer to the guitar hero controller oh nice just for how many good memories i had playing guitar hero and rock band with friends and how freaking cool it was to my high school brain of like i got a controller that's a freaking guitar i'm rocking out like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So kind of a joke answer, but I don't know. I, you don't really see that anymore. Like the cool peripheral controllers that like tie to games. Um, no, because I was big on Guitar Hero. I got really big into DJ Hero, which had a super cool like turntable style controller. So yeah, shout out the Guitar Hero controller. Yeah, I agree. Or the drum kit. Yeah, the drum kit's cool. You get that tap, 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 tap. <laughs> yeah, my wife nuts with that. Yep, I agree. I agree. It's good stuff. Um, what was it? Oh, I was going to bring up one thing before, just before we move on because I forgot to mention it when we were talking about the previous controllers. The big change that you and I both experienced, if you were an Xbox kid and then you came over to PlayStation 4, I distinctly remember going to my friend Amir's house and it was like, yes, this looks amazing. It seems like it runs well, all that stuff. Totally in on it. But this controller sucks and it took me a while to sort of wrap my head around why because ultimately they have the same number of buttons as the 360 there's nothing really that crazy going on there it's the offset sticks or not that's the difference so if you're playing on an xbox controller your left thumbstick is slightly higher up than your right one right there's that offset that's going on there whereas when you're playing a dual sense or a dual shock your thumbs are at the same level and that's that was yeah. enough to where when I was playing shooters, especially, it was like, what the fuck? Like trying to play Call of Duty on the PS4 the first couple times was like, this is no, because <laughs> I had muscle memoried myself so much with Halo and shooters on the 360 to where it just didn't feel right. So I think that was the, the toughest thing about the transition. Yeah. All I right. Don't remember. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't remember that period of like transitioning. I guess it just happened really fast for me. It, yeah, Going it was from the 360 to the PS3. It was probably like a week or two that it was a real issue. You know, it, it, it's pretty fast, but and it was more so when I went to his house and played and still owned my Xbox at home, where you know I was like, this feels odd. But once you own the console, you're using it every day. You're you know surprisingly adaptable. Yeah. Very good, very good. Well, thank you for that question, Slide G Cooper. Hopefully, you enjoyed the answers. And you can let us know, guys, in the comments, too, or at the, in the episode's thread after the episode goes live, what your favorite ones are as well. I'd be curious to hear. Okay, next up, we've got a question from Zachary, and he says, if you had to make a simulator, or asks, rather, if you had to make a simulator game, what would it be a simulator of? Now, of course, these are super, super common now. There's one for almost every profession, as far as I can tell. But I'm sure that there's some gaps, and this was kind of a fun thing to think about because I haven't played any of these, so I don't know the level of sophistication in depth in what the controls are like, if all of these are really just kind of like management sims of different types of companies or, you know, I know Power Wash Simulator, there's like some actual like movement and aiming, but I don't know. I've never done any of these, so I had to kind of think of like, okay, what's a cool concept first and also how would it work? And the, the two that I came up with, couldn't really decide between them, was cooking and running. So the cooking one I think would be really cool because you could have sort of either rhythm-based or very like precise. You could go a number of ways with it. Controls to you know do all the preparation for the food and then like the speed and like how evenly you cut things and how evenly you like 
you know, do a recipe or whatever could affect the rating. And then you could like cook different dishes. And then you could have, of course, an element of like where they get rated and you get points for that or you get money for that. You sell them and then you upgrade from like a food truck, like all the way to like where you have a, a fine dining restaurant or something. And maybe something like that exists, by the way. So if you're like, they have this and you're listening to this and you're like, what the fuck? L- let me know. Cause maybe they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other one, like I said, was running. And I think that would be really cool. And I would want that to be a rhythm based sort of like on rails kind of game, because the most important thing for me when I'm running is form and then breathing, really like how controlled my breathing is, how like steady it feels, you know, that type of a thing. And so I think a big part of the simulation in this would be, you know, making sure that you maintain that cadence of your pace and also your breathing pace. And then you could have different like backgrounds, different tracks. You could get faster. You could track, you know, like your improvements. You could even do like races, stuff like that. So those were the two that kind of jumped out for me. Um, But I I don't unfortunately have a ton more detail on it because, like I said, I haven't played many of these. So what do you think, Slugger? What do you have? I originally had my job, but I don't know if I want to sit here and try and explain my job to, because <laughs> uh, it's kind of complicated. I mean, I could try. Loadmaster. Yeah. You know what? Fuck it. So I'm a loadmaster on the C-130. What does that mean to you guys? Uh, it's a silly name for I load cargo onto the plane. I secure the cargo. I fly with the cargo to a different location. Uh, I'm not the one flying the plane. Pilots are flying the plane. I'm normally in the back sleeping. And then we land, offload cargo, load new cargo, rinse and repeat X amount of times, however many times we need to do it for the day. But there's actually, it sounds very simple. Like the most basic things we load would be people. That's self-explanatory. They walk on the plane, they load themselves. (laughs) But then we can load pallets of cargo. Pallets are very easy. Uh, But where it could make for a fun simulator game is there's multiple ways we can get the pallets on the plane so we can do a, a forklift we all know what a forklift is right so yep we can load pallets with a forklift but then we also have these things called uh k loaders which are big ass flatbeds uh that hold they're just yeah they're just massive flatbeds that drive and you know they can fit depending on the size of them like five to ten pallets maybe more uh, i don't really we only really mess with the five pallet ones for our plane but those things will roll up to the back of the plane. I have to sit there and be the guy like giving the K loader or forklift hand signals okay. uh, and directing him, trying to get him as straight as possible backed up to the plane. And then once he's in position, I stop him and then we'll go, we'll start unlocking all the pallets on the K loader and then pushing them onto the plane. And then there's a whole, when we're trying to figure out or when we're loading these when we're loading our planes, there's a whole like weight and balance aspect to our job. So really the best thing we can do at a quick glance to make sure the because the whole purpose is to make sure the plane is balanced. It's not going to crash because we put a bunch of heavy stuff in the front and a bunch of light stuff in the back. And now the front of the plane is super heavy and it can't fly properly. So the quick, easy answer is we put the heaviest stuff in the middle and then we kind of pyramid out where, you know, heaviest pallets right in the center of the plane and then you go lighter and lighter as you go towards the tips of the plane and that normally gets you pretty balanced so that's pallets we also Mm. load vehicles um all sorts of different types of vehicles really if it fits on the plane we can probably load it 
we've loaded forklifts, fire trucks, small tanks, uh, helicopters with the blades removed, all sorts of stuff. Those are always tricky. Kind of the same thing, though. Like, my job is to just marshal the vehicle into the plane. There's normally a driver if it's a self-propelled vehicle, uh, like a truck. There's a driver in the truck, and I'm just literally making sure he gets into the plane safely. I'm telling him where to stop for weight and balance purposes once he's inside the plane. And I guess if it's not self-propelled, we have a winch, like an internal winch built into the plane that we can hook up to whatever we need to get on the plane. So we'll run the winch cable out, hook it up to whatever we want to load, and then winch it up into the plane. And then that's kind of the basics. That's the bare bones of the job, just loading, weight and balance. But then we get into the fun stuff like airdrop, where we're flying along and we can open up the back ramp and door in the middle of the flight. And we have cargo that has a bunch of parachutes on top of it. And we run through a whole checklist of like rigging these parachutes. So they'll deploy when the pilots go to green light. So if we're airdropping somewhere, pilots will give us a green light and the platform or bundles or whatever we're airdropping will release properly. My job is to make sure all of that equipment when we're doing airdrop is rigged properly. So the parachutes will deploy. I don't know how this would any of this would work in a video game scenario, but uh, we actually have, it's not as fun as a video game, but we've started to incorporate like VR into our training. Oh, nice. So where I work now, we t- take brand new guys and they can throw on a VR headset and walk around a virtual plane, if you will, and like practice running their checklists and practice like checking the things they're supposed to check practice marshalling in vehicles, stuff like that. Uh, so they're already kind of getting there. I would like to see it more gamified because um, it's really, our, the VR training is very bare bones and boring. But yeah, could maybe be a cool cool simulator game there. Oh yeah, definitely, dude. There's so many things that you could, there's so many levels to that, right? And it's yeah. cool that you've, like you could you've have... done it so you could explain it well enough <laughs> because I haven't, I mean, I've run, but like trying to figure out how to do a running simulator seemed hard to me. So I don't, anyway, go ahead. No, you're good. I almost feel like I could design like, cool, this is level one. You're loading like five passengers and like a single pallet. Super easy. And then right. like the last level is you're loading this insane complex thing and you got to make sure the weight and balance is right. And yeah, I don't know. I could, if I knew how to develop, I could probably try and figure this out. I think we should so, yeah. just, we should try to find someone who uh, knows how to do it. Look, you know what I mean? I, I know can... a guy who took some classes. Okay. See, the simulator games might be the easy place to start, too, because I can't imagine they're... Well, fuck, I say that. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, very cool, though. And, Zachary, good question to have us thinking of. Hopefully, those answers were were satisfying to you. And, again, let us know if you got an idea for a cool simulator game. There's there's so many out there right now. I I feel like every time I look at the new trophy list on PSNP, there's there's another one. They're kind of addicting in a way. I personally like them. The trophy lists are normally awful, but... It's just, it's funny just doing like it's somehow funny and strangely addictive doing mundane things in a video game. Here's what needs to happen, okay? They're gonna they need to make robots that will go and do these things, but they're controlled remotely from home. And so your job becomes basically one of these simulator games. If the, if that was yeah. the case, people would do it and they would love work. <laughs> like like bus driver simulator, but you're driving a real bus and real people around real the bus, city. Real people. Yep. Lawnmower simulator. Real lawnmower, real lawn, you know? Dude, I like it. Yeah, we'll make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Well, thank you, Zachary. Much appreciated, sir. Next question comes to us from Toaster Bunny. And they say, what game or games that don't have trophies do you think you've played enough of that you probably would have platinumed it if they did have trophies? Super, Mi Super Metroid and Super Mario World would probably be mine. This is a good one as well. You know, it's we, like we've talked about on this episode already. We have rich gaming histories that don't always date back to PlayStation era. And so there's probably tons of games that we've played as kids or growing up or even on the side right now, you know, in addition to our PlayStation that we feel like we probably would have had enough hours in to have earned the plat, especially because some platinums are only 20 to 30 hours, right? So there's the, the answer was, or the question was cool because it made you go like, all right, well, does that just mean like it equates to time spent in the game or is there, you know, I started to try to come up with like trophy lists for some of these like games that I used to play as a kid on other consoles, which was kind of fun. And I initially wanted to say something on the Xbox side. I, you know, my answer typically for these would have been Halo. You know, Halo 1 through Halo 4 or even 5, right? But Because I, I, I have like 150 hours at least in each of those. And then in the competitive ones, I've got like thousands of hours probably in Halo 3 and Reach. So, you know, tons of time. Uh, but, you know, that's on Xbox already. So I can track the achievements there. And I don't have the 100% in those, so I'm a fraud. So you just need to, you know, I had to move on. So I was thinking something like Animal Crossing on the GameCube, Time Splitters 2 on the GameCube. And ultimately what I decided is that, that's right, you get to hear me talk about League of Legends again today. Even though I'm not going to be talking about the Convergence trophy list, which I wanted to review, it's not out yet, you still have to hear some League talk. So my answer for this is League of Legends. The reason I'm saying that is I did some stats checking. I've got over 2,000 normal games played. Now, granted, a game can take anywhere from, you know, 18 to 19 minutes up to more commonly 40 to 45 minutes. Okay, so that's 2,000 of those, 2,500 ARAM games, which is probably 20 minutes per game, and then probably 600, maybe even more like 700 ranked games across the seven years or so that I've played the game. So if you add that all up, and I own every single tro or every single champion in the game. There's no way in my mind that I wouldn't have at least stumbled upon <laughs> this platinum over the course of play. I kept thinking about this similarly to an Overwatch trophy list or a fighting game trophy list, where in reality there probably would be quite a bit of champion-specific trophies for this game if it ever did have a console edition. It would be something where, like, with each of the champions. There'd be two to three trophies that were specifically tied to them, and then some for just like ranking up and stuff like that. So what I actually did was, and I'll go kind of quickly through these because a lot of people might not know what they mean, is I kind of just came up with like a few mock trophies, which I had a lot of fun doing for League of Legends if the game had a trophy list. So here we go. Um, the Platinum, I called Champion of Rune Terra. That's like the, the land that League of Legends takes place in, full of all these continents and societies and shit. So Champion of Runeterra is a Platinum. And then I had one for uh, Going the Distance, the Bronze Trophy, to reach level 18 in a match-made game 100 times. So level 18 is the maximum level your character can reach in a match. And as you progress through each individual match and the time that goes on and the XP you earn, you rank up from level 1 up to 18. So this is basically saying play 100 games that are kind of lengthy so that you get to max level. Uh, another trophy I had was Ready to Rumble, a bronze trophy to reach level 30 and unlock ranked play. This was cool because it's like, or I thought this was cool because when you start the game out, your overall like profile level has to level up by playing tutorial matches against bots of varying difficulty. 
Then you can do ARAMs, which are like the non-competitive mode. Then you can go up to playing normals games, which is playing on the normal map, but not ranked. And then once you're level 30 and you have a certain number of champions unlocked, you can play ranked. So this would basically be like, get your character up to like the end game in most MMOs. Um, I had another trophy, a silver one called NA RAM to play 100 matches of ARAM. A silver trophy called Better with Friends to play 100 matches in a party of two or more because you can queue with up to five people in a lobby and you normally normally do when you play this game. That actually wouldn't be that hard, but you never know. Uh, a silver called From the Brink to win a normal or ranked match with an open nexus. So that's like all your towers are destroyed, you're on your last legs, and then you come back and win the game, which does happen, like, not regularly, but like one out of every maybe 20 games or something. Roster update, I call the gold trophy to unlock 100 champions in League of Legends. There's over 170 now, so only more than half, but it would still take quite a while. A, uh, a bronze trophy called Get Excited. Get a triple kill as Jinx in any Summoner's Rift matchmade game. A bronze trophy for Captain Teemo. Deal 20,000 damage with Teemo's ultimate ability in any game mode. So those are, again, the, this whole style of like trophies specific to the champions that I was thinking this game would probably have if they did this. Clean sweep, I call the bronze to score an ace against the enemy team 10 times in ranked play. And ace is where you kill all five team members. And you have a respawn timer, but they all have to be dead at the same time for it to be an ace. Um, and in ranked, so that would be a tough one, a, a, maybe an ultra rare trophy in this game, uh, a perfect game trophy for silver, win a match on Summoner's Rift without losing a single tower or dragon, also very hard, and rising star gold trophy to reach gold four in ranked play, so go up from bronze all the way up through silver up to gold, which most, I think it's like over 80% of players are below silver, so this would be tough. Uh, Yordles Unite, Bronze Trophy, play a matchman game where every player plays a Yordle. Fog of War, Bronze Trophy, win a game and have double the vision score of your lane opponent. And finally, Level 1 Shenanigans, Silver Trophy to get a double kill uh, before minions spawn on Summoner's Rift. So honestly, if you don't play League, that's probably nonsense to you. But if you, the few people who listen who do play this, I want you to let me know what you think. Because I think those are some pretty cool trophy names and descriptions. All right? <laughs> so... That is uh, that is what I had for your answer, Toaster Bunny. I hope, or your question, rather. I hope that that was satisfactory to you. You crushed that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Man, I played maybe like 10 games a league, and I'm looking at these, and I'm like, yeah, there's no way I could get the plat. <laughs> it was <laughs> awful. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to make it actually like pretty tough. You know, I feel, yeah. like, I feel like if it did have a, a platinum, it would be an ultra-rare platinum because of how much you would have to do so yeah yeah oh man you went way more in depth i feel like i should have went first oh um, <laughs> it's probably the best for time purposes so don't worry about it so i was thinking about let's see what games don't have trophies that we think we've played enough we would probably platinum if we did have the trophies or if they did have trophies i i kept focusing on like super nintendo games that like the Super Nintendo was my system that I spent easily the most amount of time on, like growing up. It's funny. Uh, I originally was going to say Doom, Aww. Duke Nukem, and Quake because I would go to my grandpa's house and he let little eight year old me go and play all these games. And my parents didn't care. And I'm sitting there blowing up demons and looking at guts and just this ultra gory stuff at eight years old. And I sunk so much time into those shooters. 
uh shadow warrior was there too but all these games have platinums now and i don't have the platinum in any of them like doom is <laughs> extremely hard uh i was just gonna duke say nukem, <laughs> yeah doom's hard as shit duke nukem you could do has, duke nukem easy that's an easy platinum but i have the ps3 version with no platinum which i all i have left for that list is to grind uh multiplayer kills okay and then quake also a doable platinum but i don't have it so i avoided those and then I started focusing on like Super Nintendo, like what Super Nintendo games were uh, or series were, I, what series were I really into? Man, mm-hmm. I can't talk tonight. Um, <laughs> so I'm really, I guess I'm, I guess I'm just gonna drop my favorite series that I would love to see trophies for and feel like I could have, like I played them enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Yoshi's Island would be my number one. I loved that game growing up. I beat it so many times. Uh, you would go through and beat everything, but then you get like a little flower star rating at the end of each level. Uh, so I could easily see that being part of the platinum because uh, there was X number of stars you had to collect throughout the each level. And then there was like red coins you had to collect in typical Mario fashion. And then if you did well enough, you got a score of 100 on the level and you got a cool little like checkbox i forget what it was on the like map screen oh yeah overworld screen yeah uh, um so i could easily see a platinum being like oh 100 percent every level and maybe some miscellaneous stuff in there but i think that's hands down my favorite one that i could offer that i have thrown the most time into um next up would be the donkey kong country series i don't know I don't think I'm going to name one, two, or three because I think I played all three of them equally. Uh, Maybe DK2 edges the other two out, in my opinion. Uh, I think that was overall my favorite one. But the Donkey Kong series, I would love if those had Platinums. I've never played any of those. Never? Never played any of them. Not even Tropical Freeze, which I think you can get on the Switch, I'm pretty sure. You got to sub to the Nintendo Switch Online just for a month and play through those like you could beat each one in less than a week nice okay Um, maybe i'll do that god they're such good platformers i sunk so much time into those same as yoshi's world just like replaying them over and over and they actually get pretty hard or at least they were hard when i was little like Mm. i i could do really really well up until about like the halfway point of the game and then i started to get challenged and then i also wanted to shout out super mario all-stars yeah i do like his I like the Super Mario World answer, but I think I sunk more time into Super Mario All-Stars just because it was a really dope collection of all the Mario games. Um, and then oh, yeah. Kirby had a great collection, too. What was that called? I have a list here I was looking at. Oh, man. And I'm going to lose it. The new it was Cur- like Kirby All-Stars or something. Oh, yeah. Kirby and the Forgotten Land. That's the newest one, right? Okay, this, this game is actually supposed to be pretty good. And at, the other Yoshi game, you got me thinking uh, Wooly, Wooly Yarn or something. There's some other Yoshi-like world game that came out that was supposed to be decent, too. Yeah. Kirby Superstar. There was eight games in one. And <laughs> I one of the game modes in there I played all the time. Um, it was kind of like a big open world. And once you had this scanning ability that you started with and you in normally in typical Kirby fashion, you suck in an enemy, you get their power in this one specific game mode in this Kirby superstar game. It didn't work that way. You had this like visor 
on your head and you had to scan enemies and once you scanned an enemy like you had that power unlocked for through the rest of the game so it was i always found it like to be really fun or yeah i found it to be really fun to like go through and try and collect every single power throughout the game and then you could just switch in and out of whatever power you wanted it was kind of like pokemon in a sense of like oh i gotta get all the powers so i can Mm. go and stomp the final boss um (laughs) yeah a lot of good games in that i could see it the trophy list for the super mario collection and this collection kind of being in the same vein as a lot of the collection games we've seen now where you get like maybe two to three trophies per game and then a plat once you beat all of the games or get you know get all the trophies so all those collections would be so fun man just do it nintendo just do it, dude. You'd make so much fucking money if you put these things on Xbox and, and Sony consoles. It'd be insane. Not even that. If, dude, if Sony, if Nintendo had achievements or trophies on their system, I would play my Switch like way more than I do now. I'd oh, probably be on it every night. A hundred percent, at least for the first party stuff. Like a hundred, like yeah. no doubt, no doubt. There's so many games over there that I would want to do that for. Like Mario Kart Eight was another one I almost said for this answer because yeah, I love, I love that game played so much yeah so a lot of nintendo games for me just because outside of xbox and playstation the super nintendo is probably my next most played console right and we all know that xbox and playstation has trophies and achievements so right yeah i I, that's why like again for me it was like well it's got to be nintendo or it's got to be pc you know and and weirdly like league isn't on steam so it doesn't have steam achievements either so it kind of falls in that realm of an untapped market for that too you know does it have in-game yeah they're they're in-game challenges and like you can earn borders by doing special things and like you can level up your champion mastery so like certain champions you can get like you know extra flair and emotes and stuff with when you like get high level on them and shit so they do have they do have a way to promote it but it's not quite it doesn't feel quite as you know quite the same um but yeah good question though toaster bunny good one and let us know what you all think for your game of choice Okay, next up, we have Skrillis, and he wants to know, Triple Threat, if you had to platinum one of these games, which would it be and why? And of course, because he's being nice to us, we've got three really easy games to pick from. So (laughs) (laughs) first up, we've got Splasher, then we've got Super Meat Boy, and then we've got Crypt of the Necrodancer. Now, before I answer, just to give you some basic info to the listener because I had to look up trophy guides for all these to really kind of get an idea and gameplay. But uh, Splasher is a 10 out of 10 difficulty. The guide says six playthroughs, 50 hours. The comments made it seem more like 100. So let's say 10 out of 10, six playthroughs, 100 hours. Super Meat Boy is a 10 out of 10 as well. Two playthroughs, technically, but 100 hours. And then Crypt of the Necrodancer is a 10 out of 10 with 50 playthroughs and roughly 900 hours. In fact, Crypt of the Necrodancer only has 16 Platinum yep. Achievers, which mm. is absolutely fucking bonkers. There's 800 Platinum Achievers for Super Meat Boy, and there are 48 Platinum Achievers for Splasher. So, I mean, really, like based on just the numbers alone, I would have to say that immediately Crypt of the Necrodancer is out. In yep. terms of, I don't know if I have the skill to do it, number one, but also the time, insane. 900 hours, I would much rather, 100 is you know is a lot of time. That would take me like three months to do. 
but it is still a lot more like fun sounding than something that would take like 900 hours. So, and I'm bad at rhythm games, or at least I don't play them enough to where I think I'm good at them. So that one's out. And I think between Splasher and Super Meat Boy, it's a little more interesting because I like the style of game and I think I like the idea behind the trophy list more on Splasher. Like this game that's very centered and very heavily reliant on speed running to truly unlock everything that the game has to offer for the trophies. Like you really, really have to get good at that. And whereas like Super Meat Boy, it's a lot more about the deathless aspects of it. And of course there is a deathless trophy in Splasher, but I just think that between the two, I would probably rather do Splasher. Uh, and it's hmm. a little lesser, lesser known. And I think just my sensibilities, it, it's probably what I would go for more now in terms of what game i kind of just would want to play for fun more super meat boy looks great never touched it not going to touch it on my playstation but but um yeah it so i don't know my answer is splasher and in descending order second choice would be super meat boy third choice would be crypt of the necro dancer uh slugger what do you think for this i flip-flopped to you oh Um, my god my number one is Super Meat Boy. Number two is Splasher. Number three is Crypt of the Necrodancer. I have the exact same argument for Crypt of the Necrodancer. I'm, I don't, I'm not even going to waste my time. I know I can't be number 17. There's no way. Right. So, and, but toss we do, that we do have someone curve. in our, in our Discord who has the platinum in that. So, pretty wild. Slim Santa, oh, yeah? remember? Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Let's see. Okay, sorry. Yep. Um, yeah, so Krypton Necrodancer's out, and then I'm left with Super Meat Boy and Splasher. The only reason I chose uh, Super Meat Boy over Splasher is because, if I understand the game right, with the little gameplay I saw, uh, I actually saw Nick AR on YouTube. Uh, this is one of his difficulty platinum videos. Okay. Because uh, he... he is just constantly going for 10 out of 10s. Um, it looks just like Super Meat Boy, but the splashing element, I don't know, you have to like switch your paints to do different things. So mm-hmm. if I understand it right, you'll be running on the ground and then you need to run up a wall. So you need to switch to a different color paint, which allows you to run up to a wall or run up a wall or stick to it. I kind of forget. But not so not only do you have to manage the platforming, but you have to manage like, all right, what color paint am I using? For this scenario i see um so just that little bit of extra finesse and controls you have to input kind of like gear me away from it where like super meat boy at its core at its core is just basic platforming yes it's very difficult but like all i have to worry about is running and jumping mm. and that's it so uh and then like the Super easy reason why is Super Meat Boy is on my list. I have like two trophies in it, so uh, it's a oh, cleanup man. game. You've got Super that Meat and, Boy number one and Binding of Isaac on your list. Yeah, yeah, and I'd rather do Binding of Isaac than any of them, but that wasn't an answer. So, <laughs> oh, oh, sure, sure. I mean, yeah, I, and I think it is a little. And now that I've heard your argument and stuff too, it's like maybe that's a little. It's a little more compelling to to maybe go with Meat Boy because. You're right. I hadn't really thought about the, I was more concerned of like what the trophy list entailed, like specifically and just like kind of, I like appreciate that it was so speed run focused that I didn't really think about it. And plus there's so many more Super Meat Boy platinum achievers, relatively speaking, there's still less than a thousand, but 
relatively speaking, that you're like, okay, this is doable. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's it's not something where, I mean, not that it's going to be easy, but it, it is certainly in the realm of possibility if 800 other people could, could do it. Um, yeah. I'm trying to look right now. So Platinum Achievers for Wolfenstein 2 is 1,321. So that's actually cra- It's harder. It's rarer than Mein Lieben for, for Super Meat Boy. Hmm. Wow. Well, I guess that's relative. That's not a good stat. Don't listen to that because it depends on game owners and all that shit. But um, yeah. yeah, the Still only tough. the only thing I have that's like even close to that difficult started on my profile is XCOM 2, which I do have. And that's a 9 out of 10, 100 hours. Um, so good luck to all you know of us. It's hard to like super meat boy, super rare 0.33%, but it has 244,000 game owners. Right. Where did you talk about that already? Well, that's, that's what I meant right there when I was saying like, Oh, well like Wolfenstein two has way more platinum achievers than super meat boy. So like super meat boys harder, but it all depends on like the relative owner to registered on PS. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, you can't really just say that. So that's actually a bad stat by me. <laughs> only, really there's only 48 platinum achievers for Splasher, but there's only a thousand owners. So right. there's actually way more platinum owners for Super Meat Boy. What I was reading in the comments for Splasher, that's kind of interesting. And maybe this exists for Super Meat Boy and Crypt, but I doubt it for Crypt. Um, is that there is someone who is like known, I guess, in that community for like you can pay him and he'll get the plat for you. So the reason that Splasher even has like the the allegation is that the reason it even has like you know forty eight and not like twenty is because like some guy has gone in and got it for a bunch of other people hmm. through their account. I don't know who knows, right? But that's just on the PSNP like guide discussion. So I thought it was that's, worth pointing out. That's dirty. It is dirty. It is dirty. And I believe uh, Skrillis has progress in Splasher and Super Meat Boy. So yep. I know he's Godspeed. recently taken a different approach to trophy hunting, he said, but you know, these games are hard. <laughs> so so good luck, sir, if you decide to go for for more of those. Yeah. All right. And final question comes to us from our new patron, Buff Cupcake. Welcome, sir. Thank you for the first time right in. And he says, Hey fellas, so glad I found this excellent podcast. I'm slowly working my way through some older episodes of the show, so I hope this question has not been asked before. This one was inspired by some of the holiday picks being shared in Discord recently. If you were able to go on a vacation to any video game world, which one would it be and why? Great question, sir. At first when I read it, I was like, holiday picks. And then it's like, oh, well, people from other parts of the world, holiday is vacation, you know? And put, I put it together in the next sentence, but at first I was like, what? So, yes, sir. We, we've got some cool answers, I think, for this one. Again, we're, <laughs> Nintendo, dude, the... They're, they're a common theme on this episode is having such a great like platform and, and such a great like ecosystem for so many things. And one of the things is definitely the worlds that they create, especially when it comes to relaxation and pure fun. So the yeah. first three things that like, I'm not going to go to the world of The Last of Us. All right. There's maybe some people who would be like, yeah, that's the vacation world. But for the purposes of like a vacation, I don't think really any of the Sony first party games are in the mix except for the one I thought about was potentially Ratchet and Clank because there's a lot of cool planets, a lot of cool like tourism and like entertainment. It seems like in those universes. And so I'm sure that if you stayed far away from the conflict and all the the shenanigans going on, you could actually have a pretty good vacation. Um, But but leaving those aside, 
I had three Nintendo answers. I think in order of like what my answer would be, my first choice is Animal Crossing. I think that's kind of boring in some ways because of, first of all, how terrifying the anthropomorphic animals walking around talking <laughs> to you would be. <laughs> be like some nightmare fuel shit. But also it's like, other than that fact, which is pretty startling, it's actually really mundane. It's just sort of a low-tech low population like village in a nice area you know it's really small town but i think that that to me sounds so relaxing and it's sort of i i don't necessarily go on vacations for the thrills you know you, you have a thrill aspect of like going to somewhere new that feels fun and you get you know a little kick from that but i'm not the guy who's like i need to go to this spot so i can go base jumping at this thing or you know or i need to go you know or i need to go to this thing to like do this outdoor activity here because it's fucking amazing it's it's more like the the time that off that i enjoy more is like the quiet days like in a little beach town like it's kind of cloudy go for a walk get some good food maybe read your book you know just kind of have like a chill relaxed day and i think animal crossing is so that you know it's so just kind of charming and calm and peaceful and nothing bad, bad ever happens there's no natural disasters it's very just like a serene sort of like naturey space. And for that reason, like Breath of the Wild came to mind too. But I know there's more like, you know, enemies and stuff in that. So I kind of scratched that ultimately went with Animal Crossing. My backup choice is Mario Sunshine. It, I mean, it's a tropical getaway. Mm. That's the whole theme of the game anyway. Uh, so there, you know, there's a lot of cool things there, including I remember a level in that game where you like, were, it was a massive theme park and you were on a roller coaster fighting the boss and there's like you know other like jet ski puzzles and stuff and you go i don't know there's just enough like fun things to do there aside from like the combat pieces that it felt like it was actually a really solid choice i remember this massive hotel was a different level that you went into there was one that was a huge beach uh with tons of like chairs and sand castles and stuff out so just some really good stuff um from nintendo as always for this kind of thing so that's what i had to say what about you sir <clears throat> I thought this question was extremely hard. Uh, like, I'm still looking at my list of games of like, because I want to change my answer every five games I see. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to list out a few. I originally said Stray in that world. Uh, the steampunk vibes uh, and robots walking around. Just, I don't know. But seems cool. I agree. Yeah, it, it seems really cool. But then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, all the humans are gone in that world for a reason. <laughs> right. Um, and it's only robots and only kitties, and they're, like, deep underground. Since it's steampunk, the city is more vertical, and where all these robots are hanging out is super deep, so there's no sunlight. They're just like, I don't know. Maybe. So I wanted to change my answer away from that. I think I thought of that because I was like, dude, robots and cats. What's better than that? That's awesome. Um, but then I thought <laughs> there's no sun, so we'll skip that. My second answer was uh, Camarucho, Camarucho, Camarucho yeah, from from y Yakuza. But then I was like, that's actually based on a real place. Uh, I'm probably gonna pronounce it wrong. Kabu Kabukicho, Kabukicho, yeah. yeah, yeah, out of Tokyo. And I'm like, I could just go there for real. So maybe I can't count that. I don't know. I kind of want to count that because I freaking love that city in that game. Yeah, I don't know. And then maybe that would be my number one. It kind of almost adds to it that I can go to it in person. Sure. I'd be curious to see how it looks 
in person if it is like how similar it is because i've heard like the streets are actually pretty similar and the shops are in the same area um it'd be cool to see that my cheesy easy answer was going to be really any of the assassin creed games um, yeah just for the time travel aspect i think oh. it'd be really cool to be able to like go back in time to like ancient greece or uh italy or where the up in norway from Valhalla, like any of these places ancient Greece, for many man. of the games yeah would just be so awesome to go back and see and like spend time there yeah i don't know i like i said every like five games on my list i'm looking at and i'm like ooh, that one ooh, that one <laughs> I, yeah i tried not to go down that rabbit hole and not get stuck because <clears throat> i knew the same thing was going to happen so i was like all right i'm going to go nintendo because i'm again they just jump to mind as calm for me but yeah i was trying to think of like cool experiences yeah. so you, you took a, a way better route i think i like ratchet and clank i think that's dope that kind of like pinged me on like mass effect oh, i think like God. the mass effect universe would be cool doing all the space travel and flying from universe to universe that'd be sick mm. God damn um, it. you're right <laughs> i mean obviously i could just go to fallen order or jedi survivor just being star Wars. i was gonna ask why you didn't pick a star wars i one. don't dude i don't know again i you know you can tell at this point doing this many episodes with me these answers i get on a track and it's like that's it you know i don't like yeah, yeah so i just zoned in on nintendo for some reason i can never I can never pick one thing. People are like, what's the one game you're going to do? And I'm like, here's five games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to do. Uh, it's hard to do. But no, all those are great answers. I'll settle on lawn mowing simulator right Fuck where I want to yeah. be is on my lawnmower in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> mowing lawn. Grill simulator would be another great one. Backyard like barbecue <laughs> simulator. <laughs> Have the family over to swim in the pool. Cook hot yeah. dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, awesome. those are my answers. All right. Fantastic. Thank you, Buff Cupcake. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you for your support, and thank you for the question. All right, let's get into our PlayStation Plus informational roundup. We've got some good stuff going on for you this week. So, Slugger, why don't you take it away if you are ready, sir? Okay. If you're a new listener, what I normally do here is I'll list off the games. I'll give the difficulty and time to complete for the Platinums. Uh, there's actually a ton of information this month to pass so i'm gonna really just give you a list of games that are coming and i also really wanted to highlight games that are leaving because there's a large list of games leaving this month i think it's the largest we've seen since the launch of the service so coming to playstation plus extra for may they're actually live right now if you're listening to this and you're subscribed to the service you can go download them ratchet and clank rift apart humanity watchdogs legion dishonored 2 Dishonored Death of the Outsider, Sakuna of Rice and Ruin, Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, so all three there, Bus Simulator 21, The Evil Within 2, Wolfenstein Youngblood, uh, Thymesia, Rain World, Lake, Conan Exiles, Rune Factory 4, Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town. That is all the games coming to PlayStation Plus Extra. And then on the premium side of things, we got Siphon Filter, Logan Shadow, which was a PSP game. It has a Blade platinum, Dancer. right? It does have a platinum. Nice. I, do, I don't know about these next two. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I just figured the, those ones have always had them in the premium, that franchise. So, Yeah. Uh, Blade Dancer Lineage of Light, also a PSP game. Uh, that looks like an RPG as well. Pursuit Force. 
a PSP game, and Ghostbusters, the video game remastered, was a PS4 game. So that is all the games coming. Uh, I think it's a pretty good list, personally, for the month of May. There's a lot of great games there. Find it interesting all these Bethesda games are on here. Personally. Yeah, I I wonder what's going on with that. I yeah, I are they trying like part of me is like, is it a move to to put these on the service and then go to Bethesda with like or Microsoft and say like, look at the numbers your games do on our consoles. You should still put some of your new stuff on here. I I don't fucking know. I got no idea. Um, because we I, I'm really gonna be curious what happens and maybe there's news on this, but the Indiana Jones game that Machine Games is developing. I mean, I feel like they, you know, Xbox would be stupid to not make that an Xbox exclusive, but man, I would want to play yeah. that. So, yeah, I j- we don't really know. I mean, Elder Scrolls, we can assume, is coming to PlayStation because it has history there, but the new Doom, like, I, yeah, we just really don't, we don't really know. So, be kind of cool. So, you're, you're thinking of, of it from Sony saying, hey, look, we're doing this for you. I was thinking of it the other way. Because Microsoft is trying to push this deal through the Activision Blizzard King deal. Right. And it's like, did they go to Sony and offer all these games so they could go to governments around the world and be like, look, we're sharing games with other platforms. Like, uh-huh. we're not going to. See, like, make we don't keep it exclusive. off of the. Yeah. We're even having it on their subscription service. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's an interesting point. And honestly, if both were true, it's mutually beneficial, right? So, and, yeah. and I guess it doesn't really matter why, but it's cool that they're there. Cool to speculate about for sure. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that's all the games coming. Uh, go check those out. A lot of good stuff there. Uh, games leaving. Like I said, this is a large list. I was kind of surprised how large it was. These are all leaving on the 20th of June. Um, so you have a little over a month to play these, or I guess about a month by the time this episode goes live. So Descenders, Party Hard, Nine Monkeys of Shaolin. Ash of Gods Redemption, Fire Pro Wrestling World, Black Mirror, Witchwood, John Wick Hex, Kiwi, No Straight Roads, Defense Grid 2, Joe Deaver's Lone Wolf, Agents of Mayhem, Gods Will Fall, Red Faction 1 and Red Faction 2, and Redeemer in Enhanced Edition. Uh, I do want to point out, I'm not going to say these games are bad. There's... Luckily, there's nothing in here that's like amazing. Like you must play this. At least I don't think. But I do want to recommend some of them that I've personally played. I've heard, well, I've heard Descenders was good. I've heard No Straight Roads was good. I've personally played Witchwood. That's a dope little crafting indie game. Takes about a weekend. That's a fun one you can knock out in a month. And I think that's about it. I actually don't know much about the rest of them. So a lot of games leaving though. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. A lot of games leaving, a lot of games coming in. I wonder if, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you, you've you obviously paid more attention to it than I have, but I'm, I'm unclear if that's like the most, like you, you were saying, that's ever left, or if this is going to become more of like a common like thing. Because I feel like Game Pass does cycle through their content. Maybe it's just because I only go on there a couple times a month at this point that it just feels like it's always adding a few, taking a few, but... Yeah. My, my impression from the PlayStation catalog was that it had been pretty steady for some time, so it would be interesting if uh continues to be a trend. So we shall see. A lot of these... I will say a lot of these games were on there when it was still PlayStation Now. I kind of feel like we're seeing these big shifts 
right now because the service is still young since they've rebranded it. I think, I don't know, probably I'm just spitballing. I wouldn't be surprised if in like a year or two, it it's more in the vein of Game Pass where it's like, hey, four or five games are getting added to the service this month and, you know, two or three are leaving. Right. Like, I don't think we'll see this big a swings of additions and deletions from the service once it's kind of established. Yeah, that that does make sense. It's a good reminder that it is in fact still a pretty young, like change that they had that they had made to do this whole structuring. So, yeah, yeah, good call. Very nice. Well, thank you, sir. Cool. Appreciate yeah, that's that roundup. roundup. That's the roundup, partner. <laughs> that's what you got to do. We got to start having you do that in a Texas Yee-haw. accent. <laughs> Get ready for the roundup with Slugger. all right very cool so next up we're going to be doing a couple trophy list reviews and as i noted at the top we are going to be skipping the lightning round once again because it's just the two of us so this will kind of be the final section before we outro the show but we're going to get into a couple lists that looked appealing to us from recent releases or things that are coming out very soon and i i said at the top or towards the middle i suppose that i'm a little upset because league of legends story convergence is coming out on the 23rd and it's trophy list and or achievement list is nowhere to be found so i see i can't really seem to get the timing right on this sometimes i feel like these games the trophy list leaks a couple weeks early sometimes i feel like it's even been more than that but then every once in a while you know maybe it's for these smaller titles like there's just no fucking info on them and it's like it comes out in less than a week and we still don't know what the trophies are i can't believe that's true but it is. So I had to do something different. I was choosing between Gollum and Lego 2K Drive. I ultimately landed on Lego 2K Drive because I think there's a funny little uh, glitch in this list that I wanted to... Well, maybe it's not a glitch. We'll, we'll talk about it together. So uh, first things first, I wanted to give you some information on the game. So this is developed by Visual Concepts, published by 2K Games. It is a racing adventure arcade game coming out worldwide on May 19th. So at the time of listening to this on Sunday, if you listen to this when we when the episode first launches, it'll have been out for a few days. At the time of recording, it comes out tomorrow or in about, I guess you could play it right now, Slugger, because uh, of the midnight release. So it's, it's pretty much live oh, as cool. we're speaking. So very cool. Um, visual concepts, by the way, I looked up and obviously they've worked with 2K quite a bit, but the games that they worked on primarily were NBA 2K. And they did that for quite a few years, dating all the way back to like 2016. And then they also worked on WWE, like 2K WWE, uh, a couple more times recently. So this is a, a change for them. I mean, it's still in the fringe realm of sports in some sense in that it's a driving game and not like an action sort of platformer or something. But, you know, they, these this studio had previously made basketball and wrestling games and here they are they're doing a racing game so probably pretty fun for that team to do something different here is the explanation for the game from the website itself lego2kdrive.com welcome to bricklandia home of a massive open world lego driving adventure race anywhere play with anyone build your dream rides and defeat a cast of wacky racing rivals for the coveted sky trophy in lego 2k drive your awesome transforming vehicles give you the freedom to speed seamlessly across riveting racetracks off-road terrain, and open waters. Get behind the wheel and gear up for tons of open-world exploration and thrilling races. Take on the exciting story mode, jump into a single race or cup series tournaments, and let loose in off-the-wall minigames. Master the arts of drifting, boosting, and using power-ups to claim victory. So right away, you know 
an open world game. There's a multiplayer component to it, and there is a story mode. Pretty cool, and you can expect the trophies to take, uh, you know, a sort of shotgun approach to those activities, and you would be correct. One thing that we don't know before I really get into the full discussion about this is there is a there's three editions to this game. There's the standard edition, there's the awesome edition, and then there's the or sorry, the Drive Awesome Edition, and then there's the Drive Awesome Rivals Edition. And two of those three include the Year One Drive Pass. So we don't really know what that means just yet. And the reason I bring that up is because completion percentage is a thing for quite a few of us in the community. And this game, even if you buy it at launch and get the Platinum, may be one that would continue to have DLC trophy packs come out for it. Or it could be that the uh, the DLC packs or the added content would be purely like cosmetic. I don't and or, and not have like trophies associated with it. I don't know, but it's a risk that you take in playing this game. Is that just because this base platinum list doesn't sound too bad, and I don't think it sounds too bad, it doesn't mean that you won't have to be coming back to this game periodically to do more DLC. So just something to think about. Uh, the game has 39 trophies. It has one platinum four gold trophies, 12 silver trophies, and 22 bronzes. I really like that distribution, and I also really like the low number of trophies for the game. I don't know if it's they're going to add 40 down the road, and eventually this game's going to have 120-something like Tomb Raider, but uh, right now there's, <laughs> only, there's, there's only 39 trophies, so I like that. And the list really runs the gambit, like I said, about you know tackling all of these various activities in the open world. In a lot of ways, it reminds me of when you talked about Slugger Need for Speed Unbound, and I think that it's going to have a lot of the same structure when in when it comes to unlocking the platinum for the game. I'm hoping that the gameplay moment to moment is different, and you know this whole concept of being able to like on the fly turn your car into like an airplane or turn your car into like a boat while you're racing around the open world sounds really cool. So yeah, so yeah, I, I am intrigued by this game, I would say more than I was by Unbound. But yeah, that's just a call out at the top. So what we can tell from the story mode is that in the trophies, there appear to be three main areas in the game. So you've got trophies to drive around the big Butte County in story mode, drive around in Prospecto Valley in story mode, and drive around in Hauntsboro in story mode. These appear to be sort of like the three main like districts or areas i'm kind of envisioning sort of a grand theft auto 5 style map where you have like the distinct like kind of areas to it and this seems to have three we don't exactly know i'm sure there's gameplay out at this point people streaming it but at this point we don't exactly know how big these are but since there's only three i would imagine they're actually pretty big and all of the trophies kind of center around doing activities in all three of those areas so for example if there is um let me see here. So there's Big Butte Champion. Beat the Big Butte Grand Brick Arena race in story mode. So do a certain race in that county. You also have a, a another similar bronze trophy called Prospecto Champion to beat the Prospecto Valley Grand Brick, Brick Arena race in story mode. So basically, like, a lot of the collectibles, you'll have to find them all in all three of the areas. You'll have to do all the races in all three of the areas as well. So that's kind of, like, the general structuring for the list. Um, some, some call outs and things to kind of take note of too are the, the multiplayer. So as with any multiplayer based game, we already talked about the DLC possibilities with this, but the other things are play it as close to launch as possible, uh, in order to make sure that the community is there 
and that will avoid you having to deal with some sort of weird boosting down the line. Sometimes it's hard to find boosting partners, et cetera, et cetera. And also, you know, try to try try to be aware that the if the game doesn't do well, the server could eventually shut down. So those are all the risks that you run with something like this. If it, you know, doesn't do well, maybe two years from now, three years from now, you don't it's it becomes unobtainable. So mm-hmm. that's also a risk. But some of the easy multiplayer trophies. Um, we have a bronze trophy called New Challengers, which is to play 10 races or mini games in play with everyone mode. So it sounds relatively simple. Um, it's a relatively common trophy already for the 89 recent players. So yeah, it seems to be some sort of matchmaking ability on the, on the homeworld area. You just got to play 10 races. Not so bad. But as you continue on, you end up having to, you know, kind of continue to invest in that ecosystem and eventually, you do have to do higher numbers of crazy things. But the good news is that the multiplayer piece, that one that I just listed for you, seems to be the biggest hang-up. So it seems like the option is there right now to at least do almost all of these in story mode. And that's basing this off of the, just the descriptions for the trophies and not you know maybe what reality could be. Because, for example, there's a bronze trophy that says, Honk means hello talk to 150 folk. I'm assuming that that means talk to 150 people in the open world like NPCs, but maybe it only is other players in multiplayer that you can honk and talk to, and it's a sort of emote, in which case that becomes a, a little bit more of a grindy multiplayer trophy than you know what it seems like at the offset. So there's a couple like that where it's like, you're not really sure if this is in story or multiplayer, but I'm pretty sure that most of them are in story mode. Um, a couple of funny ones I wanted to call out. There is a gold trophy called Folk Hero, which is to complete all the quests in the world in story mode. So that's in all three of the major areas slash districts. What this implies, obviously, is that there's side quests in this game. So in addition to sort of races, there is quests that you can do for the folk, the people that you talk to around the open world. What exactly those will entail, I have no idea. Um, probably sort of different minigame races or fetch quests or things like that. but there is going to be quite a bit of quests in the game. Uh, this also is already at a 4.29% on the PSN profiles. So I don't think that there's going to be a ton, a ton, because again, 89 recent players, the game's not even quite out yet. So for it to already be like 4.5%, it doesn't seem like it's going to be too grindy or too bad. Um, there's another trophy that's a gold called Crystal Clear, which is to mow down all weed patches in the world in story mode. So kind of funny, a little long mowing simulator talk there. Um, I don't know how many of these there are. I don't know if they respawn. I don't know (laughs) if it's something where some of them are hidden. I would assume that you actually have to have the correct vehicle for this. So whether you have to buy the lawnmower or you can build the lawnmower or whatever, um, there's probably some sort of specific thing there. It kind of reminds me of trophies with like the ambulance or fire trucks in the GTA games. But you are going to have to take down all the weed patches. So for those of you who pull up the weeds when you log on in Animal Crossing, that's the first thing you do. This trophy is for you, okay? We also have um, a couple specific trophies tied to the the perks in the game. So we have one that's called Missile Misser. It's kind of hard to say, excuse me. Which is to avoid 50 missiles by jumping over them in races. So it appears that this has a sort of mario kart style powers and upgrades which it said in the you know the the general overview of the game that i read at the top 
but yeah, you're going to have to jump over them. I, I don't know how, how tough that actually is. It sounds pretty precise. Like if I told you you've got to destroy 50 red shells by throwing a banana into them in Mario Kart, you'd be like, okay, I can do that. But like, that's going to take some time. So I don't know how hard it is to jump over these things or not, but you got to avoid 50 of them. And you also need to hit opponents with missiles 15 times for the heat seeker trophy. You've got what's this button do to use every type of power up at least once. So yeah, you're going to be seemingly doing all this through the races anyway. So a lot of these should come naturally, but it's a call out that you do have to have, you know, some sort of proficiency and skill with the systems in play there. Um, <laughs> a couple more, and then I'll pass it over to you for your game to talk about slugger, but we've got <clears throat> just the start, which is to collect 50 new vehicles. Also, paired with the pit crew, which is to collect 15 new drivers. I am going to assume that you unlock these naturally again through the course of play and the story mode, at least a good portion of them. And then there's probably more that you can buy through some sort of in-game shop, given that there is the, the season pass and stuff that comes with this game. But ha having said that, I'm sure that you're going to get enough naturally in the story mode to make this pretty negligible um, and maybe only have to do a little bit of spending, not even of real money even if you have to uh then there is sidewalk hog which is to it's a bronze trophy to punt 200 pedestrians into the air so you <laughs> so you're gonna have to talk to these townspeople as you're driving around but you're also gonna have to hit them a lot and apparently that'll send them flying up in the air sounds pretty funny also you can get that done i would imagine fairly quickly along with brick separator which is a bronze trophy to destroy a thousand objects there is roadhog a bronze trophy to destroy 200 traffic vehicles so you're going to be hitting lots of stuff collecting cars doing races collecting collectibles and doing quests and essentially if you do all those things you should be pretty darn good last two things i'll mention there is a grindy breaking trophy you break stuff, destroy 15,000 objects, which sounded intimidating at first, but it's already at 8.5% on PSMP, so I don't think it will be that bad. The one hang-up trophy appears to be the golden ending. Earn a gold medal in every on-the-go event in the world. So we don't know exactly how many of those there are, but or how hard they are, but that is sort of like the GTA equivalent of get gold on all the missions or two-thirds of the missions, whatever. So that is, is seemingly going to be the one that would be really tough. The rest of the list, though, in all honesty, does not look bad at all. Um, okay, so that's sort of the list. And the one thing, the reason I chose it, I had mentioned at the beginning that there was sort of a glitch, I think, with this list. If you look at it on PSNP, every single trophy, except for the Platinum, has trophy tracking enabled for 0 out of 100. So I was going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Right. So here's what I think happens because this game is also developed for Xbox on Xbox. You have that nice little percentage bar next to all of the trophies that you can look at in the app and you can see what's going on. I, so in the background, in the code or in whatever, there is clearly a zero to a hundred, like true, not true. It could be a binary scale or it could fill up at 25% increments for these things, whatever. But this is happening anyway for Xbox, and so I'm wondering if they're just like, fuck it, here it is on PlayStation as well, it's all 0 out of 100. It's all basically 0 to 100% on these. And the kind of cool thing, though, is that I, you can track a lot of these a, little, a lot more granularly than you would be able to otherwise. What worries me is that trophy tracking is historically aligned with glitch things and things not tracking properly, and yeah. I hope that that is not the case with this game. It doesn't... 
appear to be that way, but we, we never know just yet. So I just wanted to call that out. It's pretty funny to look at on PSN profiles. So if you want to see what I'm talking about, go and look at the list. Of course, the PS4 version does not have this. So if you play it on PS4 or you, or you play the PS4 version, you, you won't have to worry about that. But yeah, every single trophy on the PS5 one has a 0 to 100 scale. So pretty interesting. That's LEGO 2K Drive. I will probably not be picking it up just because I'm working mm -hmm. on so many other things we've talked about before this year. But I do think it looks really cool. Might be a fun one to, as you would say, check out at the library if they have, uh, <laughs> depending on how long it takes to beat. So yeah. <clears throat> there you go. Hmm. I've, I'm kind of intrigued, if I'm being honest. Uh, the list looks good. I like the artwork. The only thing I really don't like is not the trophy artwork itself, but the game artwork. You know how when you look at your trophy list and you're seeing the percentages on the left side, it'll tell you the game name, and then it, there's normally like a little thumbnail of the game. This one's just a very plain, like, blue picture with a white trophy. It's just... Yeah, it's there's a, nothing interesting about the picture of the game. As as Maximum would say, you know, not great. <laughs> yeah, He's a big fan of the platinum great. image. So everything else looks pretty cool though. I do think the zero out of one hundred is funny because some of these things are just like, uh, what's a good one? Like the story the, the story mode stuff is like, what the hell? <laughs> like yeah. the just like the a, yeah. A charismatic mentor, receive your first checkered flag in story mode. Like that's a that's a one-time thing. You're not grinding a hundred things. So it's just like a yes, no. So you do it and it goes, it instantly jumps to a hundred percent. Exactly. Yeah. Very weird. Very, very weird. All right. Yeah. I might have to watch some. I actually haven't seen any footage of this game. So I'm going to go looking after the show once we get off air. I only saw the initial trailer for it and yeah, I, 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 it looked really cool to me. I have some sort of vague memory of King K in the Discord talking about an article or something he saw about it that kind of turned him off from it, which was, to me, a big deal because he's a huge LEGO property fan for, the, for gaming. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but I am also intrigued. Cool. Yes, sir. What do you have for us today? Uh, so I got Humanity. And I felt like this was a good pick because this is one of those rare games that launched uh, directly onto the PlayStation Extra, our Game Pass equivalent. Uh, we don't get the the fancy Game Pass day one launches uh, very regularly, so I kind of wanted to jump on this uh, since this is one of those. So this game looks like wild. Yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> it looks like a mind trip. So Humanity, developed by uh, THA Limited. I don't know if they pronounce it like THA Limited or if it's THA. I assume it's limited. So it's THA space LTD. I looked them up. It looks like this is their first game. It's a little indie oh, cool. studio out of uh, Japan. Uh, it is published by Enhance. I was able to find that on the PlayStation anyway. Enhance has also published tetris effect and luminous and after seeing the gameplay of this game i know publisher is different from a developer but i'm like oh it's kind of the same kind of like vibe that i got from like tetris effect and luminous like very i don't know flashy weird puzzle games cool um let me tell you about this because this is a strange one <laughs> so the synopsis comes off the playstation store 
Humanity, a unique blend of puzzle solving and action platforming. Humanity puts the fate of all mankind in your hands. Er, pause. Did we mention you're a dog? You are a Shiba Inu charged with commanding massive marching crowds to jump, <laughs> turn, push, float, shoot, and climb their way to salvation. Guide the masses through 90 plus stages filled with obstacles, enemies, puzzles, unlockable skills, and wild boss fights in the narrative campaign, or browse a wide array of user-made levels, or build your own. Crafted via the super easy-to-use in-game stage creator. Whether on your standard display or in the optional VR mode, watch as breathtaking swarms of people follow your commands to the exit, all in humanity's stark, iconic style. Courtesy of director and celebrated visual designer Yugo Nakamura and famed game creator Tetsuya Mizuguchi. Probably butchered that. <laughs> uh, that game creator did Res Infinite, Tetris, and Tetris Effect Connected. Actually, after reading that, I didn't know there was a VR portion of this. That'd be kind of cool. That's cool. Um, if you haven't seen gameplay of this, what it looks like, like that little synopsis says, is you're a little white spirit ghost puppy running around this big puzzle world or each stage is a puzzle and you're running around this world and it kind of looks like lemmings there's just massive waves of humans and you have to navigate them from where they're entering the stage to the exit of the stage and there'll be obstacles in your way and enemies in your way and you like bark out commands so you'll be like oh I want you to jump here and then once you jump to that platform above I'm gonna put a turn left command and then you're going to fall down and then I'll do turn right, turn right, turn left. And then you're at the exit. So really you're just guiding these waves of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people uh, from where they're entering the stage to the exit. Uh, very much a puzzle game. Let's see. Hmm. I got to get back to my notes. Otherwise I'm going to lose myself. <laughs> All right. Release information, like I said earlier, this is on PlayStation Extra, so if you're subscribed to that service, you have it. You can download it and play it now. If you're not subscribed to that service, but this game interests you, it's $29.99 on the store, and this has been out for two days. It released May 16th. The player count is kind of small right now, uh, but again, it's only two days old. There's 1,129 game owners, 1,076 recent players. 39 platinum achievers already, so it's sitting at a 3.45% on PSN profiles. Yeah, Leewar has the, this, actually. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. The average completion rate right now is sitting at about 15%. And yeah, while you're on the Leewar Lee War topic Lee of War. him finishing it, yep. I've noticed uh, people already have guides of every single stage up. Wow. So if you're thinking like Lemmings... And how that style of game works, like you could easily follow a uh, like a video guide and know exactly where to put commands on uh, to collect everything you're supposed to collect in the level and make the humans escape. So I bet realistically, if you use a guide, this is probably like a one or a two out of ten oh, okay. difficulty. There's no guides out. Sorry, there's no like trophy guides out yet. Only the stage guide, so I don't have a proper like difficulty. But knowing there's video guides, I imagine this is a pretty easy list if you want to cheese it and uh, not actually like learn the stages yourself. Okay, um, the distribution there is 46 total trophies. We have 35 bronze trophies, seven silvers, three gold, and one platinum. So pretty good 
spread there, I guess. Actually, more trophies than I would have thought for a game yeah, like this. I was just going to say. And the artwork. Personally, I'm not too impressed with the artwork of the trophies. Uh, they're kind of plain to me. Like the last couple of games we've reviewed or talked about that we've been playing have been like very colorful lists. Right. Um, the the trophy artwork for this game, they're kind of just, I don't know, very, and it's fitting with the game. If you see the game, the art, I guess the artwork makes sense. It's not a very colorful game. Like the world is gray and blocky and there's no textures. It looks like inside the, human, the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The humans themselves are colorful, but the artwork doesn't really have a lot of humans in a lot of these images. Like some of these is just like a block, a statue. This one is just a black screen with some words that you can't even read because the artwork is so small. Right. I personally don't really like the individual trophy artwork, but I do like the platinum artwork. The platinum artwork is your good boy, uh, the little doggy that you play as and He's sitting there in the middle and he has a big crowd of people circling around him. And the platinum name is called Who's a Good Boy? <laughs> I like that. I almost want to do the platinum just for that trophy. Yeah, that's, pre- that's pretty cool. So artwork's not my favorite, but I think the list is pretty good for a puzzle game. Like I said, I think it'll be pretty doable. Uh, whether you go fresh as long as you can until you get stuck and then pull up a guide. Or if you use a guide from the get-go, I think it's a. it seems like a doable list and pretty fair list how these trophies work you get uh trophies for completing sequences which i assume are like the different stages so uh some examples of that awakening put to bed complete sequence one awakening uh the next trophy for sequence two is called choice made complete sequence two choice so you're getting a trophy as you're progressing in the game uh through the story mode and then it looks like you have trophies for beating bosses. Like this one's called Black and Blue, Defeat the Blue Core, Green-Eyed Monster, Defeat the Green Core. I wouldn't consider that spoilers, personally. No. So lots of trophies just for general progression. Now, one thing I didn't talk about is in each level, I did kind of hint that there was things to collect in the level as you play through this. There are giant golden people who are hidden throughout like each puzzle, each stage. And it's kind of like getting a a perfect on the level. You can beat the level without collecting these guys. But if you want to like 100% the levels, you need to collect the goldie. They call them goldies, this giant golden human. You have to collect the goldie on each level uh, for the next like set of trophies in the list. So uh, these all start with the name Goldie Star. So for example, we have Goldie Star Awakening complete or collect all the goldies in sequence one goldie star choice collect all the goldies in sequence two so on and so forth and then actually i kind of like this trophy name goldie god collect all the goldie so yeah gotta collect all the goldies in the game all uh, the goldies you... yeah these kind of look like when i didn't zoom in on the picture they looked kind of similar to your yakuza yep i was thinking you that posted too. earlier it's like what the fuck is it the yeah <laughs> it's Golden statues are in. Yeah. The new rage. Uh, outside of the general progression and collecting the goldies, it's a lot of like miscellaneous things. It looks like you'll just naturally pick up as you play through the story. Like the synopsis uh, reference, getting new powers and stuff. I think that's where this next set of like trophies, the next set of these trophies come in. Uh, like there's a trophy called reformer cause the people to take on a new form. 
So I don't know if this is going to be some weird thing where like humans start balling together <laughs> and become like yeah what what the fuck giant things you can manipulate. Uh, looking at gameplay footage, it does look like the humans can pick up guns or get different types of powers at some point. So that might be what that's referencing. Because there's a follow-up to that trophy called No Longer Human. And it says, cause the people to take on a truly astonishing form. Um, a truly astonishing. Yeah, what the... hmm. We got some trophies for failing. Or sorry, one trophy for failing called Try, Try Again. Re retry the same trial five times while while keeping your place commands. So you place <laughs> You're like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. going to work this time. Oh, my gosh. Well, that makes me wonder if there is like a probability aspect to it, though, where like you can get away with like less than optimal routing if things if you just get lucky, maybe or or the trophy is just to make you try the same thing five times and fail five times in a row. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I sh honestly should have watched more gameplay. I did watch a bit. Um, another thing I want to mention, we think of like lemmings and in lemmings like if your lemmings fall off a ledge and they die, like they're gone. You can actually like lose the stage that way. Right. In this game, it doesn't work that way. If you mess up and you accidentally turn your humans off of the stage and they're falling into oblivion off the stage, they'll just keep respawning out the door. So you, luckily you can't fail that way. But there's obviously some ways you can fail because there's a trophy called like safety first, get squished by a block. So you could end up either squishing yourself or squishing humans with blocks. Uh, fire will issue the people with firearms or issue a command to humans that have firearms. There's a couple other trophies that involve uh, giving commands. There is some grindy looking trophies. Or maybe not grindy, but these are the more rare ones on the list. There's ones, one called follow the leader. Have 1,000 humans follow you at once using the follow command. Uh, significant others defeat 100,000 others. So if that's enemies, like I think it is, you got to go and defeat 100,000 enemies. That is a 5% rarity, so it can't be that bad. I wonder if the later levels are just like, you just have... Just massive waves. Massive of amounts thousands of, of things. Right, and if you, if you can just replay them, then you just do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, then you got some trophies in there for... Uh, like accessing the archives in the game, visiting the archives, and give the people a new model and skin. So it looks like you can actually customize the humans a little bit. You get a trophy for viewing your stats. So there's some easy pickings, low-hanging fruit there. And then kind of the last set of the list is uh, each sequence has almost like a, like a challenge you have to do. So I'm not going to read all of them, but a good example is this one called First Wonder. Complete sequence one, trial two, a three towers so that's all the that level with all goldie while only using two switches so whatever switches are i imagine that's a type of command or something you can do with the humans you can only use two of them and collect all the goldie doing that there's a, another one called second wonder complete sequence two trial four a drop box without a single person perishing and there is it's kind of cool first wonder second wonder third wonder so on and so forth, all the way up to seven. So seven wonder trophies, and it looks like seven different like restrictions they put on you for these specific levels. Which I imagine if you're not following a video guide to like figure these out, I'm sure they're kind of challenging. 
but again there's video guides and with this style of game you can probably just cheese it by copying what someone does in a video 100 percent. the last trophy on the list here that i haven't talked about is called wonder dog assemble the seven wonders of humanity i have no idea what that is but if i base it off those last seven trophies uh first wonder through seventh wonder i'm wondering if you get some type of like collectible for completing these challenges and maybe you get like a i don't know a statue of humans uh, i don't know there's a lot of humans there's millions of humans in this game it's a I, weird looking game yeah <laughs> I, I, it, it appears though that the wonders are actually like the modern like wonders of like the world like wouldn't it be because aren't there like seven ancient and seven modern wonders like the pyramids yeah. are one that yeah so i wonder if they're like you collect oh, these don't these pictures don't look like anything though never mind no they look like castles or it looks like the level random. you would play on right right huh yeah, maybe it is just a bunch of people. <laughs> maybe you just collect bigger, golder people. <laughs> the goldies. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty much the list. It's, very, it's a very basic list, which I'm kind of excited about. I was really worried there'd be some crazy, like, speedrun type trophies or things that would make this very difficult. But uh, we've seen, like Colin said, or you said, Colin, uh, We've seen Lee War pop this. I've seen it pop a couple times, or it's come up on our trophies over on Reddit. So I'm imagining it can be done pretty quick, probably like the 10 to 15 hour range, maybe 20 hour range. I don't know if those are natural playthroughs or if these are people following the guide, though. Right. Because uh, I'm pretty sure I read an article where it might have been the IGN review or I don't know. I read a review where the guy was like, I put like 40 or 50 hours into this. And I imagine he was playing with no videos or anything. So I'm sure if you're doing this legit with no help, like it probably could take a long time to like try and figure these levels out. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm trying to look at it right now. So there, I mean, it's based on one member's post, but they post a lot in their premium. It says four out of 10 took me only 12 hours looking at videos for only a few of the levels. So I guess it's uh, really going to okay, depend on how good you are at puzzles though yeah and then this other guy is saying it's i would say a six out of ten <laughs> so it's like yeah. but didn't give a time estimate so we really don't know that's like every friggin psn profiles post oh, it's this so, is a two out of ten no it's yeah. an eight out of ten <laughs> yeah guide has been updated to reflect the conversation where everyone says yeah. it should be harder <laughs> yeah 100 percent. yeah um, the, the one thing i noticed about it is just that we often call out like tutorial trophies because like if you want to like not have it you know if you want to start it like you'll you'll get trophy progress real quick and then it'll be on your list it looks yeah. like three of the trophies are pretty early like they must be like in within the first you know five minutes of gameplay or something so i would just say like if you turn it on and you're like oh i'm just gonna tinker with it you're probably gonna pop stuff on it and so just be that's, prepared for that yeah that's a really good catch because i didn't cover those first three trophies at all um there's up, up, and away, lead the people into the light. That has 95% right now. So that probably right. happens, I imagine, in the first like five minutes of gameplay. And then Goldie, Goldie Mine, deliver Goldie into the light. That's right next to it at 88.5%. So looks like you'll, and there's two more back to back after that that are very common. So if you're worried about popping this game or like checking this game out and popping a trophy early, do keep that in mind. Maybe try it on a different profile if you care about that. I don't know. I think I'm going to check it out, but there's so many games on Like, these these services drive me nuts because I already have my backlog. 
and then I have the subscription services. And then I also have Game Pass over on Xbox. And it's like, I need to, I honestly need to drop like Game Pass or the yeah. PlayStation Plus one because I don't have enough time to cover all three. Like, I want to work on my backlog, but I want to play all these cool games that are day one dropping on these subscriptions. And I just don't have the time. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've said it before. I'll reiterate again because of the whole thing. Like, I have Game Pass and I have Game Pass Ultimate. There's, I don't know why. Like, I have the $15 a month one, right? And I yeah. don't utilize it at all. So I need to switch that. But also, I used to have... At one point, I was on premium. Then I was on, like, the extra. And now I'm down to essential. Because, when like, this year, you and I are both, like, on this journey of backlog. So it's like, we're never going to... We're just paying for this that we're not going to use right now. So I'd be better served, like, if I do want to eventually touch things in those catalogs, just wait and then get them for those months. So... So... I know we were doing trophy list reviews, but I do like you pinged my mind on something on both services. I have both services like paid out already to like 2024, 2025. I think my plan going forward uh, is like once they once I get to the point where my time runs out, I'm probably going to drop them. And it may be a thing where like I subscribe to this service for a month or two and I play as much like for that month. I'm only touching games on the service. Like yeah, and specific and, and then, you, like ones you are specifically looking to do because I think if you yeah, go in yeah, with like exactly. I'm just gonna browse, it's like well you're fucked. But if you're like there's yeah. two games on the service that I want to play, it's cheaper for me to pay the 15 bucks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's but a yeah, good idea. Uh, didn't mean to go off on that tangent or idea or goal, whatever. But no, fair, fair. That's uh, humanity. Definitely check out some footage of this if you haven't seen it. Cause it is such a weird looking game. It is super weird. <laughs> Indeed. Oh. But I've, it's reviewing really well. I didn't talk about the review scores. It's averaging. I'm actually going to pull it up live. Because um, it was reviewing great. Uh, it is sitting at an 86 meta score on Metacritic with an 8.9 user score. So very favorable. Oh, wow. Yeah. Better than Lego 2K Drive, if you're, yeah. The, none, none of the big reviews were out yet for that, from what I saw. But the it's like at a seventy, low like seventy one to seventy four range for Lego 2K Drive. Yeah, very cool, yeah. very cool. Yep. Well, th- well, thank you, sir. Appreciate that, and hopefully, hopefully, you listeners enjoyed the trophy list breakdowns. Let us know in the episodes thread or comments wherever uh, if you're going to check either of these games out or if you're curious about them. I I haven't heard anyone talk about 2K Drive in our Discord, but it's possible. Who knows? We also just got like 12 new people in today, so maybe one of them will check it out. Um, but yeah, thank you all very much for listening to the show. Before we go, Slugger, where can people find you at? Let's see. You can find me on PSM Profiles, the PlayStation Network, at SluggerJD. And you can find me on Twitter at uh, Slugger underscore JD. Very good, sir. And you can find me on PSNP, PlayStation, Xbox, and on League of Legends at CK Present. Also, YouTube, CK Present, and Twitch, CK Present. So pretty much the same thing everywhere. But you'll mostly find me in the Discord and on PlayStation. Thank you all so much for listening to the show. We hope you've enjoyed episode 85 with just the two of us. We will be back. Episode 86 is a What We've Been Playing episode, and we'll be joined again by Daryl. So thank you all for your patience as we wait for him to return from his trip to japan and have a great rest of your day evening or night happy gaming and goodbye